Welcome to the Pied webinar. Assalamu alaikum. Kya hal hai? Is everybody okay? Achaji, let's begin. We're going to begin the fifth of our webinar series in education. And sorry, energy, energy. Today is the day for energy. Please mute your mics. Let's start. Uh, this is the fifth in our series. Energy is a very big problem. We are trying to learn about it. We don't know enough about it. Unfortunately, the country doesn't know enough about it. So uh, we've called our panel again. We've got a large number of very good people on energy. Let's try and take up the issue of regulation and pricing. I find this a most complex issue. I hope our speakers can educate me on this. This is not pricing bananas or wheat or something. It's a very difficult subject. And it's not like regulating the market for, uh, you know, um, coal or energy, or, sorry, or, like all markets, it's a very complex phenomenon, but energy is even more complex for many reasons, and we'll come to that. But let's begin with our usual slide, the IMF uh, dragging, or, you know, putting no loans in front of the government, and the government in a confused fashion just running around, looking at the craggy hills of conditions coming up. This is the story of Pakistan. We've got a great panel. We're going to see. Um, sir, sorry, sir, sir, your slides are stuck, sir. As usual, the slides are stuck. Cheap energy. Okay, let's do this. Okay, G. So let's do it without the show. Huh? Someday I'll master it. Okay, G. So let's see if we can do it this way. Let's see. Will it move or not? Will it not move? Sir, you are on second slide now. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. Is it second slide? Okay. Yes. We've got the Deputy Director of NEPRA, Salman Rahman, who's going to be telling us about how their views are as well as their plans are for pricing and regulation. We've got Amina Sohail, energy lawyer, who's um, apparently worked on this lot and still working on it, and she will tell us how it should be done. Then we've got Sahir Bisharat Chima, former MD Pepco, who's been helping us a lot. We've also got Shahid Sattar, who's also helping us a lot. He's also going to talk about this. And of course, we've got a large number of people in the panel who are going to talk about energy pricing and regulation. Okay. Our usual slide, the number of fund programs we've done. Every Pakistani must know this, that we've always been in the emergency ward, that somehow we can't seem to get our economic policy together. And I think this should worry us all. Why is it that we can't get our economic policy together after 70 years? 70 years ago, our forefathers recognized that we would have an aid problem. And they were so right, as this cartoon shows, that Aliyah Ali is walking on the crutches of aid, and people behind him are saying, hey, keep him drugged. And that's the way we still continue. Our long-term growth rate is declining thanks to aid and thanks to our bad policy. Uh, investment is not picking up. Investment rate is declining, even though it's the lowest in Asia. It's about 15% and declining. So it's a, it doesn't look like we're doing very well, although you'll hear people saying current account has changed. Big deal if the current account has changed. Your investment rate has gone nowhere. Your growth rate is not growing. So current account people are watching. We've done a series of roundtables, and they show that uh, on many subjects, and they show that policy inconsistency and poor policy development is a huge issue in Pakistan. Our tax policy is totally confused. Transactions costs are very high. We don't have human resource management either in the government or in the private sector. We've got a huge set mentality. 
market development is not happening everywhere we got over over regulation and lack of clarity there's a huge governance problem everywhere especially in the energy cities and markets are a governance problem and information risk taking is just not taking place in pakistan sorry sir sir we are you are on your second slide sir we are looking your second, second slide okay so let's go okay i showed you the man um, let me just make sure that you see this the cartoon yes, sir. from 19 yes sir okay let's see make sure you saw the declining growth make sure you saw the investment rate how we are declining pad round tables what's happening now energy so far what we've learned is very simple circular debt we paid up 5.5 trillion in the last 10 years piled up is 2 trillion which you'll have to pay there is still no clarity on the energy sector no research and a few days ago we talked to one energy ministry the petroleum ministry and they said adb is doing another study wow yet again another study by the adb and the world bank and we still don't know what's happening so it speaks volumes for both them and us there's no clarity of research this is an organizational mess all our speakers all our panelists who are still here will tell us it's an organizational mess it's far too centralized there is no responsibility anywhere there's no planning for supply we move from over supply to over demand excess demand excess supply we chuck around because nobody seems to plan or think about the sector as a whole nowadays we've again got into excess supply situation on demand people spend electricity like water they don't know what to do and yet the price is very high so there's a mess everywhere so given that let me come to the panel uh, let me ask um, uh, afia from paid uh, to initiate the discussion uh, afia ji sure afia quickly initiate the discussion ji yeah uh, i just want to raise few more questions um, the first one is why can't we have an efficient tariff structure without subsidies tariff structure in which costs are not recovered from all consumer categories indiscriminately besides creating financial difficulties for the government also create inefficiencies in the system and misleads investment decisions in the supply system in pakistan why we are treating electricity as a right rather than as a private good it leads to inefficient subsidies theft supply without payment and losses for distribution companies a weak link between price and demand over the years and substantial cross subsidization has skewed consumption in favor of less productive domestic consumers over the years we have failed in eliminating cross subsidization from commercial and industry to domestic and agriculture consumers whereas highest recovery ratios are recorded in these two sectors and we are charging them a high price as well similarly the policy of uniform tariffs which is acting as an incentive to remain inefficient in principle the subsidy should assure the financial viability of the sector but in pakistan we see discourse performance below the efficiency benchmark which napra uses to determine the cost based tariffs losses are incurred and despite having this subsidy so why can't we revisit this policy of uniform tariffs where in many countries including india there is a separate tariff in each state now again we are talking about market uh, napra act is uh, there is an amendment in napra act and a new regulatory regime has been introduced but it seems due deliberations are not done requirement to maintain a uniform tariff throughout the country as it is stated in the draft of new power policy seems to be contradictory with this uh, new napra act 
energy pricing is a central feature of any competitive electricity market. It is essential if the benefits of a competitive market are to flow through to customers and other market participants. And when pricing is inefficient, it will fail to signal and encourage appropriate levels of consumption and supply or the appropriate levels and locations of new generation and transmission investment. For the market to function effectively, we need to treat electricity as a commodity requiring minimal government intervention in the marketplace. And one more thing which needs uh, clarity is, is NAPRA independent in their decisions? What is the role of uh, a regulator in power purchase agreements in Pakistan? As uh, they are the main licensing authority, as we see all the decisions and activities are the government's are in the government's influence and without the due uh, and without due competitive procedures now we are in a capacity trap we have surplus power and we are in a capacity trap uh, do, don't you think that there is a need to explore an alternate pricing mechanism to utilize this surplus power and increase the productive use of energy cost of tariff and cost and tariff can be brought down by increasing capacity utilization uh, more incentive should be given to large consumers, for instance, by decreasing the tariffs for units consumed beyond a certain threshold for large consumers or industry, who are regular, who are also paying regularly. This will encourage such consumers to increase their consumption and the country will be able to utilize the present surplus. Uh, I just want to ask what NEPRA is doing in this context and how they are planning to utilize this surplus power. Is there any plan to have an alternate pricing mechanism or they are going to uh, continue with the same pricing mechanism? Similarly, is there, um, I think that's enough. Okay. Uh, with this over to you, Dr. Nadeem. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Afia. Salman Saab, Salman Rahman, can you please tell us what the regulatory regime in EPRA is? What should it be? Is it the same as the world? Why do we have so many pricing slabs and situations? I don't think I have seen three types of tariffs and pricing slabs anywhere else in the world, maybe in some banana republics. Salman Sab, can you shed some light on how I don't care about the past? Are we going to move into the future in the regulatory setup? Are we going to regulate and price better? Or is it always going to be like this? Salman Sab. alaikum. Thank you so much for uh, inviting us. Um, the participant have actually put a number of questions at NEPRA. Definitely um, one of the um, main subject was associated, actually is associated with NEPRA. So I'll, I'll, I mean, I've noted a couple of questions that have been written. I'll try to answer them one by one as much as I could to the best of my ability. But if I'm missing anything, uh, you can always uh, revert back and I'll answer that. So, um, so that, so that, so that um, I mean, uh, Dr. Saab actually talked about uh, the uniformity of tariff and also why there are so many uh, slabs uh, within, the, within the category. Um, one issue which we need to be uh, aware of is that the, the slab categorization is primarily driven by the socioeconomic objective of the government. Um, for instance, um, there is a lifeline consumer wherein the government do not necessarily, I mean, it's heavily subsidized, of course, uh, but in, in, uh, on top of that, there are certain other issues as well, which is very endemic uh, and systemic in nature. For instance, um, 
uh, I mean, up to 300, I mean, we all know that almost, almost half of our um, energy is consumed by residential, residential customers. And within that, up to 70% is actually uh, consumed uh, by consumers, which has a con consumption pattern of up to 300 units. So that is something where the limitation of the system comes. And up to 300 units is somewhere, there's a lot of political consideration that needs to be made, uh, and it is very price sensitive. Um, if you, if the government decide to subsidize that, definitely uh, some other sectors, or some other category of consumer need to take all for it. That is unfortunately the industrial. So let me tell about the industrial. So industrial is about, in terms of consumer, they're about 1% of total, but it consumes about 25% of whole generation. Uh, delivering, um, delivering energy to them is, uh, uh, is, uh, is actually at a very least cost. And it is, not, it, is, it is very easy to provide, I don't know, 10 megawatt of um, electricity to a single user than 10 megawatts spread across different residential units. So it has that uh, economy of scale and everything. But unfortunately, because of that systemic issue, we have unfortunately not been able to increase the industrial base. Uh, what, has, uh, uh, what has actually increased is uh, primarily the residential sector. And within that residential, up to 300 um, unit category of consumer is still contributing a lot. Unless that is changed, uh, I don't think so. The overall pricing regime is going to be changed if, you, if, if keeping everything else constant. But definitely uh, that, that require that is time consuming because this, this, this directly relates to the, so to the, economic, the, the, the economic vision uh, the government and the state have uh, in the years to come. That is not going to change overnight. But there are some structure changes that could be made in order to reduce the power generation cost. That relates to actually the distribution and the, the pattern of pricing at the distribution level. But the generation is something we can always start. Uh, Salman, let me ask. I mean, okay, these are things that probably some demand agency or the ministry should be thinking about how does NEPRA regulate the sector? That's the key issue. What, I mean, to you, it shouldn't matter whether industry or residential job. You regulate kaise karke? Or pricing jo hai, aapka jo system hai, wo, matab, mujhe samaj nahi aari, thik, lifeline consumers hai, to wo, hukumat unko subsidy dhe rhi hai wahan se, BISP se. Baki jo hai, structure mujhe samaj nahi aari, 300, 500, 600, 700 megawatts ka kya hai, and why should there be a difference between commercial, residential, and uh, uh, industrial? This is what I don't understand. What are you doing? Tell me. definitely uh, different tier. Pe hoti hai. If you want to talk about generation, generation is normally uh, three distinct aspects. Se hoti. Regulation. Ki baat regulation, to, regulation itself, jo hai na, standards, uh, standard procedure, generation ke rules are already available. Hai. Cost plus regime normally which means prudently incurred cost regulator assessment option comparative comparative option to by and large how generation sector works and definitely generation key pricing effect overall distribution plus power purchase cost pricing understand important distribution margin distribution companies 
और उसके बाद ये कैटेगराइजेशन होती हैं तो कैटेगराइजेशन जितनी भी है वो तो ओवरऑल एक ऑलरेडी गिवन है और उसमें कॉस्ट ऑफ सर्विस के बेस पे ये होती हैं टेक्निकल लॉसेस वगैरह की स्टडीज होती हैं हमारी टीम विजिट्स करती हैं ये सारी चीज़ करने के बाद हमारे पास डिस्को वाइज टेक्निकल एंड कमर्शल लॉसेज वगैरह के पूरी डिटेल्स हमारे पास आती हैं इसमें उसी के बेसिस पे हम ये प्राइसिंग करते हैं डेफिनेटली प्राइसिंग में थोड़ा सा गैप इस सेंस में रहता है कि जो एक्चुअल लॉसेज हैं वो कॉरेस्पॉन्ड नहीं कर रही जो हमारे टारगेट्स वगैरह हैं इनफैक्ट थोड़ा सा पिछले साल से नंबर्स थोड़े से वर्सन ऑफ हुए हैं मतलब इफिशेंसी जो हमारी रिकवरी के रशेज हुए हैं वो तकरीबन थ्री परसेंट डिक्लाइन कर गए एज अगेंस्ट ट्वेंटी के नंबर्स के मुताबिक और टी लॉसेज भी बढ़ गए तो ये सारा डेफिनेटली जितना भी है ये ड्राइव करता है आपकी प्राइसिंग जीन्स को और उसी के मुताबिक हमें ये करते हैं अभी तो इनफैक्ट अभी ये यूनिफॉर्मिटी ऑफ टैरिफ भी आ गई जिसमें से पहले गवर्नमेंट डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन वाइज टैरिफ वगैरह होता था तो उसमें जरा इनफिशेंट डिस्को सामने आ जाती थी और इनफिशन जो थी वो किसी सामने उसका भी हमें पता चल जाता था लेकिन अभी वो चीज़ें भी जो है मुश्किल होती जा रही हैं और गवर्नमेंट मुझे तो जो सवाल मेरा है Are the objectives of your regulation just to fix the price, or or is there? You know, normally objective is that, for example, I am in central banking. I am working. Objective of objective of central banking regulation is to have a safe and efficient banking system. What is your objective of regulation? And how is it that you achieve that objective? Central bank achieves their objective by going out and auditing banks and making sure that every day they get a balance sheet from every bank to see how they are operating. अच्छा ये ओवरऑल तो देखिए हमारे रूल्स वगैरह जितने भी हैं उसके हवाले से हमारा एक्ट भी यही कहता है कि जाहिर बात एक्सक्लूसिव जुडिशन नेपरा की है उसमें लेकिन इसमें हमें प्रूडेंसी का एक जजमेंट एक्सरसाइज करनी पड़ती है कि प्राइस फेयर हो एराइव थ्रू जुडिशियस प्रोसेस हो और नो रूम फॉर इंटरप्रटेशन और ये क्लियर उसके साथ हो अलॉन्ग विद टर्म्स एंड कंडीशन और इफिशेंसी हमारे सेक्शन सेवन के तहत ये ऑलरेडी एक्ट में डिफाइंड है इफिशेंसी को फरोह दें और उन इन्वेस्टमेंट वगैरह की एक सफिशेंट कॉस्ट जितनी भी मार्केट की होती है बेरेड एवरेज कॉस्ट ऑफ कैपिटल के मुताबिक वो डिटरमिन करने के बाद पास ऑन करें ओवरऑल ऑब्जेक्टिव तो यही है कि सस्टेनेबल एंड एफोर्डेबल प्राइस को इंश्योर किया जाए गिविंग द लिमिटेड रिसोर्स हर डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कंपनी जो अपने पास लेके आती है अकॉर्डिंगली इसी को ड्राइव करते हुए अब हर साल पटिशन आती हैं प्लान आते हैं इंडिविजुअल डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कंपनी वाइज टी एन डी लॉसेज जो है वो सेट होते हैं रिकवरी तो ऑबियसली हम हंड्रेड परसेंट पे एज्यूम करते हैं और ये प्राइस हो जाती है तो सस्टेनेबल एंड अफोर्डेबल अगर आप कहना चाहते हैं ऑब्जेक्टिव ये है और ये फिर भी लाइन लॉसेज बढ़ रहे हैं और लॉसेज बढ़ रहे हैं कंपनीज के then is that not your responsibility to make sure that these line losses and the losses of the companies come down and what instruments do you have to make sure that happens nahi dekhiye ye aapki baat bilkul sahi hai hum ek regulation ke liye hum ek prudent assessment karte hain individual distribution wise 
इसकी इतनी लॉसेस होनी चाहिए राइस को कि आजकल सिंगल डिजिट्स में है हमेशा ही रही है हार्डली वो टू डिजिट में रहा है वो अगर हम असेसमेंट टी एंड लॉसेस की कर लेते हैं अगर किसी भी तरीके से डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कंपनी उसको और मीट नहीं करती तो उसकी कॉस्ट हम पास ऑन कंज्यूमर पे नहीं करते ये तो हमारा एक बिल्कुल बिल्कुल क्लियर ऑब्जेक्टिव है कि इनफिशेंसी जो है ना वो हम कंज्यूमर पे पास ऑन नहीं करते अभी रहा कि डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कंपनी कहीं तो ये कॉस्ट जाएगी ये कॉस्ट इसेंशियली गवर्नमेंट पिक करती है अगर गवर्नमेंट पिक करती तो गवर्नमेंट के उसमें चला जाता है लेकिन रेगुलेटर इसका अल्टरनेटिव क्या था देखें रेगुलेटर एक बेंच सेट करता है वो बेंच को लेट्स एज्यूम कंसिस्टेंटली वो ब्रीच करते हैं ब्रीच टू जो के इसकी एडमिनिस्ट्रेटर एडमिनिस्ट्रेशन को कंट्रोल कर सकते क्या टूल चाहिए देखें इसमें एडमिनिस्ट्रेटर का ऑप्शन जो है ना वो तो हमेशा हमारे फ्रेंकली रूल में भी है मैंने पहले क्लियर नहीं किया लेकिन ये इसेंशियली ये गवर्नमेंट ओन्ड है थोड़ी सी लिमिटेशन इस सेंस में आती है कि गवर्नमेंट इज ओनिंग ऑलमोस्ट सेवेंटी परसेंट ऑफ द होल सेक्टर उसमें इश्यू ये है कि गवर्नमेंट फ्रॉम टाइम टू टाइम ये हम कह चुके हैं कि पोस्ट बंडलिंग ऑफ वापडा जो है ये कॉपरेटाइज इंटिटीज तो बन गई थी लेकिन इसमें कंट्रोल फिर भी गवर्नमेंट का रहा है और है भी जब तक ये कंट्रोल इंडिपेंडेंट कंपनी के पास नहीं जाएगा ऐसे बोर्ड जो बाख्तियार हो और उसमें प्राइवेट सेक्टर की रिप्रेजेंटेशन ज्यादा हो ये ये इशूज रहेंगे जैसे आपने पहले अपने स्टार्ट में प्रोलोग में कहा कि इट्स इट्स ए गवर्नेंस का इशू है ये गवर्नेंस का इशू ज्यादा है तो ये इनफैक्ट मैं उसकी 100 परसेंट जो भी बड़े यहाँ पे हमारे बड़े सीनियर पुराने कोलीग भी हैं वो बैठे हुए हैं ये सेक्टर को तीन चार साल रिव्यू करने के बाद ये रियलाइजेशन हो जाती है कि ये गवर्नमेंट का इशू ज्यादा है इसमें हम गवर्नमेंट को फ्रॉम टाइम टू टाइम हमारी एडवाइजरी जाती है कि ये दिस इज नॉट द वे फॉरवर्ड इसकी प्राइवेटाइजेशन का इसकी जो है ना गवर्नेंस के इशूज का डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कंपनी को मेनटेन करना पड़ेगा बिकॉज अभी 2019 से 2020 वाज सपोज्ड टू बी एक बेहतरीन साल था इस सेंस में हमने कंसीडर करना था कि देखें रियलाइजेशन हो गई है डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन लेवल पे इम्प्रूवमेंट लेकिन हमने जो लॉस लॉस लेवल सेट किए थे वो उससे भी वर्स आए हमारी रिकवरी 100 परसेंट थी लेकिन पिछले साल की रिकवरी 90 परसेंट है अभी वो एटी पे आ गए तीन परसेंट लॉस लॉट ऑफ मनी फ्रेंकली क्योंकि वन ट्रिलियन का ये सेक्टर था तो ये बहुत सेंसिटिव है रिकवरी तो वो वर्स हो रही है इस वर्स में फ्रेंकली अगर लॉ हमें इजाजत देता है कि हम अगर ऑप्शन ये एडमिनिस्ट्रेटर कर लें तो ये दस की दस कंपनी नेशनल लेवल पे हम अगर आ भी जाते हैं हमसे भी ये नहीं होना क्योंकि रेगुलेटर का काम नहीं है कि उधर जाके एडमिनिस्ट्रेशन और माइक्रो मैनेजमेंट हुआ दो हमारे लॉ में प्रोविजन है हमारी कंप्लेट अथॉरिटी अगर चाहे तो एक्सरसाइज कर सकते जिस दिन लगे कि किसी बैंक ने शाम को पांच बजे छह बजे जब भी बैंक क्लोज होता है अगर बैलेंस शीट नहीं भिजवाई 
और सेंट्रल बैंक को इस पर कोई खदशा है तो सेंट्रल बैंक उसी शाम उसी दिन उस बैंक को टेक ओवर कर सकता है और उसको तबाह कर सकता है तो आपके पास ये प्रोविजन है कि नहीं है कैन यू डू दैट कैन यू के फॉर एग्जाम्पल कराची इलेक्ट्रिक्स हुई थी प्राइवेटाइज डिड यू रेगुलेटेड वेल और नॉट बताइए देखिए के इलेक्ट्रिक तो प्राइवेटाइज हुई थी के इलेक्ट्रिक जो है ना वो दो साइड पे गए मतलब उसके पॉजिटिव भी हैं कौन भी उस प्राइवेटाइजेशन पॉजिटिव पे एट द एंड ऑफ द डे 40 परसेंट लॉसेज थे वो तकरीबन 19 20 परसेंट पे आ गए देयर अलॉट रूम टू इम्प्रूव लेकिन हमारा मतलब मेरा पर्सनली ऑब्वियसली ये पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू है कि हम उसको आपने जो बैंकिंग मिसाल दी भी पर इस किस्म की चीज़ें पाकिस्तान में भी पॉसिबल है बैंकिंग सेक्टर में लेकिन ये पावर सेक्टर है इसमें लाखों करोड़ों आवाम मौजूद हैं इसमें एक पॉलिटिकल एलिमेंट भी होता है इसमें यूनियन वगैरह के एलिमेंट भी होता है ये कम्प्लीटली पब्लिक सेक्टर है इसमें मैं मैं कहने का मेरे कहने का मकसद ये है कि आप ज्यादातर आपकी जो प्रोविंस की यूटिलिटीज हैं ये अगर ये अगर रेगुलेटर आ भी जाए रेगुलेटर अपना सी वगैरह ये सारा करने के बाद भी ये इशू ऐसा है ये काफ़ी सिस्टेमिक है इसमें आपको ओवरऑल चेंज करने की पूरी माइंडसेट चेंज करने की जरूरत है अगर रेगुलेटर उसमें बॉक डाउन हो जाए तो उसमें डेली एडमिनिस्ट्रेशन पे तो ये बड़ा मुश्किल हो जाएगा और दो लो मौजूद है लेकिन ये उस किस्म की प्राइवेटाइज चीजें नहीं है जहाँ पे ये बैंकिंग यहाँ पे एक प्राइवेटाइजेशन का प्रोसेस हुआ इसके बाद बैंकिंग प्राइवेटाइज हुई एक बड़ा रोबस्ट रेगुलेटर स्टेट बैंक की शक्ल में मौजूद है उसमें हो सकती है यहाँ पे ये नहीं हुई और यहाँ पे अगर मेरे अपने ख्याल में अगर रेगुलेटर्स का रोल प्ले भी करता है तो उसको शायद फिर भी प्रॉब्लम्स होंगे शायद उस लेवल के नहीं होंगे लेकिन वो होंगे तो ये हल ये नहीं है कि एडमिनिस्ट्रेशन पे रेगुलेटर आके कर ले और उसके पास मैजिकली ये इस तरह चेंज हो जाए द प्रॉब्लम एक और सवाल आज जो सर्कुलर डेट की पोजिशन है क्या आपके नेपरा के हिसाब में आज सर्कुलर डेट की पोजीशन क्या है नेपरा जो लेटेस्ट नंबर है मेरे ख्याल में अगस्त तक ये 2.2 ट्रिलियन तक ये पहुंच गया अनफॉर्चुनेटली डू यू हैव अप टू डेट डेली इंफॉर्मेशन ऑन व्हाट द सर्कुलर डेली तो नहीं मैंने फ्रैंकली कुछ अपने कोलीग्स वगैरह से हमने लिया था जो सीपीपीए वगैरह से उनके पास जो नंबर है वो तकरीबन 2.2 ट्रिलियन के करीब है Because this is another difference between central banking and uh, the regulation in Pakistan. Central bank has the loss or the profit of the banking system or whatever every day, not that they are waiting. They know every day the position of the banks, and they are ready to take effect. So, हमारे हाँ ये नहीं है. So let me ask Amina Sohail. Amina, आपका क्या ख्याल है? What do you suggest? What do you say to what Salman Rahman sir has very aptly summarized? The Iraqi position on regulation and pricing. How's your जो है वो तो दूर की बात इनको तो डेली लोड शेडिंग पोजीशन भी नहीं आती नेपरा को पहले वो छोड़े नेपरा टॉक अबाउट रेगुलेशन एंड प्राइसिंग व्हाट शुड वी डू व्हाट इज रेगुलेशन प्राइसिंग व्हाट शुड बी डूइंग देखें सर रेगुलेशन एंड प्राइसिंग इज डिराइव्ड फ्रॉम द ओवरऑल प्लान और द डिजाइन ऑफ द सिस्टम 
जब तक आपका डिजाइन कॉस्ट प्लस पे है एंड इट डज नॉट टेक इन टू अकाउंट मार्केट ड्रिवन कॉम्पिटिटिव इशूज उस वक्त तक ये इशूज आते रहेंगे नो अमाउंट ऑफ एडमिनिस्ट्रेटिव सेटअप कैन डिटर्मिन द रियल प्राइस ऑफ अ प्रोडक्ट बाकी ताहिर साहब को मैं चीमा साहब जरा बताइए रेगुलेशन का निजाम क्या होना चाहिए क्या इसको चेंज करें जी मैं अर्ज करता हूँ लेकिन इससे पहले कि स्पेसिफिकली मैं प्राइसिंग और रेगुलेशंस पे आऊँ और आपका सवाल जो है वो सामने रखूँ ये बड़ा ज़रूरी है कि हमने देखना है कि इस वक्त जो आर्किटेक्चर हमारे पास है प्राइसिंग का या सेक्टर का वो है क्या तो ये लेगेसी है उस वक्त की जब सोशल वेलफेयर वॉज मोस्ट इम्पॉर्टेंट और चूँकि स्टेट हर चीज़ प्रोवाइड कर रहा था जनरेशन भी वही ला रहा था ट्रांसमिशन के प्रोजेक्ट्स भी वो लाता था इसके बाद डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन लाइंस भी वो ही बनाता था और एक लिहाज से देखा जाए तो एम वगैरह भी सामने नहीं थे तो लोकल रिसोर्सेज से काम होता था इसलिए आप ये कह लीजिए कि उसमें एनर्जी डेफिशिएंट रजीम थी वो तो सबसे पहले तो उसमें ये फैसला किया गया कि किस तरीके से गुजारा करना है उस गुजारे की खातिर हमारी जो टैरफ की फार्मूलेशन थी उसके लिए लोड सप्रेशन टैरफ फॉर्मुलेशन जो स्कीम है वो लेके आए अब वो क्या थी वो ये थी कि किसी तरीके से ज्यादा इस्तेमाल को प्राइस आउट किया जाए तो उसकी तरीकाकार मंत्रा वॉज जितना आप कम इस्तेमाल करेंगे उतने पैसे कम देंगे और जितना आप ज्यादा इस्तेमाल करेंगे उसके पैसे ज्यादा देंगे तो ये उस वक्त की जरूरत थी नंबर वन और नंबर दो जैसे मैंने पहले कहा के स्टेट जो था वो वेलफेयर की तरफ देख रहा था इसलिए उसने ये सोचा कि कॉन्सेप्ट्स लाइक जिसे कहते हैं कि लाइफलाइन कस्टमर्स ये तो कॉन्सेप्ट पहली दफ़ा आया इसके बाद उन्होंने ये कहा कि ये स्लैबिंग की भी ज़रूरत है और स्लैबिंग जो है वो बिलखसूस जो है वो लोड सप्रेशन मॉडल का हिस्सा है कि जिसमें द लेसर यू यूज़ द लेस यू पे एंड मोर द यूज़ द मोर यू पे तो अब ये देखें आर्किटेक्ट जो है आर्किटेक्ट आर्किटेक्चर जो था हमारे सिस्टम का वो था ही एक मुख्तलिफ प्रेमाइस में तो जिस वक्त हम इसे लेके आए कि ये रेगुलेटेड एक रजीम होगी और इसमें प्राइवेट इन्वेस्टमेंट्स भी होंगी वगैरह वगैरह तो ये सबसे पहले आर्किटेक्चर को चेंज करना चाहिए था आर्किटेक्चर जब चेंज नहीं हुआ तो अब आप देख रहे हैं कि आधा तीतर और आधा बटेर है अब हो ये रहा है कि वही स्लैब्स चल रहे हैं जबकि समझ नहीं आ रही हुकूमत पाकिस्तान को और पब्लिक जो पावर सेक्टर के मैनेजर्स हैं कि वो बिजली बेचें कैसे बात हो रही है कि हम कैपेसिटी ट्रैप में फंस गए हैं इसके बाद ग्लट है ये और बात है कि मैं उससे इतफाक नहीं करता आर्टिफिशियल ग्लट है क्योंकि मुल्क में रेवेन्यू बेस्ड एक लोड शेडिंग हो रही है लेकिन अगर हम मान लेते हैं कि वाकई इस वक्त जो है ग्लट है तो फिर ये जो पिलर है पुराने आर्किटेक्चर का जिसमें यह है कि लोड सप्रेशन मॉडल है टैरफ का उसको खत्म क्यों नहीं किया गया उस तरफ किसी ने सोचा भी नहीं तो बेसिकली यह है कि इंस्टीट्यूशनल मेमोरी जो है उसको आप हर पांच साल के बाद 
I'll use the right word, उसे पर्ज कर दिया जाता है ताकि वो गायब हो जाए और एमनीजिया के साथ हम आगे चले हमें पिछली कोई बात नहीं पता होना चाहिए और जो नए रस्तु इस सेक्टर में आते हैं वो इसे चलाने की कोशिश करते हैं ये तो हो गया जी पुराने आर्किटेक्चर की और प्राइसिंग की वजह से अब देखना ये है कि जो रेगुलेटर ने किया प्राइसिंग के सिलसिले में वो क्या किया तो द टेस्ट ऑफ द पायर रिमेन्स इन इट सीटिंग क्या लोग कस्टमर सेटिस्फाइड हैं क्या उनकी जो बाइंग पावर है उसके मुताबिक है क्या जो ऑन लुकर है उसको ये समझ आती है कि प्राइसेस सही हैं ये प्राइसेस कहीं ज्यादा नहीं है तो अब इस पे मैं आई रेफर बैक टू व्हाट शायद सतार सेड वो ये है कि जब कॉस्ट प्लस जो मेथडोलॉजी है अगर उस पे जाएंगे तो एक लिहाज से बहुत से लोगों के हाथ बंद जाते हैं यही रेगुलेटर का काम आता है कि कॉस्ट प्लस के अंदर जो हिडन चीजें हैं या ऐसी इस किस्म की बीच में चीजें हैं कि जो किसी भी जिसे कहते हैं स्टॉपेज पे या कंस्ट्रक्शन पे आराम से रहती नहीं बीच में से निकल जाती हैं उन्हें ये रोके तो हमने ये देखा है स्पेशली जब आपने आई के साथ जो आप नगोसिएशन हुई और इसके बाद एम साइन हुए तो हमें ये पता चला कि उसमें केसेस कन्फर्म्ड हैं जिनमें ओवर इनवॉइसिंग है ये हमारे सामने माना गया ये और बात है कि कहा गया कि इसे इस वक्त टैकल नहीं करेंगे बाद में देखेंगे और अगर इसे टैकल करना भी है तो हम रिटर्न ऑन इन्वेस्ट है जो इन्वेस्टमेंट्स हैं या इक्विटी पे जो रिटर्न है उसे रिड्यूस करेंगे तो एक ही लिहाज हो गई कि हमने उसे जो पैडेड कॉस्ट है उसे हमने कम कर दिया एक चीज ये भी प्रूव हो गई इसके बाद हमने ये देखा कि इंडेक्सेशन जो गलत दी गई थी उस सिलसिले में रेगुलेटर ने तो आज तक बोला ही नहीं उसने ये समझा कि बेहतरीन काम हो गया फैसला हो गया और इसके बाद हम उस फैसले के पाबंद हैं फॉर द गुड ऑफ द पीपल हम हैं ही नहीं है ना सेक्टर के गुड के लिए अभी जैसे माई गुड फ्रेंड सलमान रहमान ने भी बताया कि हम एक हेल्थी बैलेंस भी रखते हैं एंड फॉर द गुड ऑफ द सिस्टम चलते हैं जो कि रेगुलेटर का काम भी है उस उस वक्त भी ना हुआ फिर इसके बाद इस रिपोर्ट में हमें ये पता चला कि इनवॉइसिंग जो है उसमें भी कैलकुलेशन की और अदरवाइज मिस्टेक्स हैं जो सी से वो निकल गई उस तरफ देखा ही नहीं गया वो भी सामने आ गया इसके बाद जो बहुत अरसे से शोर मचाया जा रहा था कि लोग फ्यूल बचा रहे हैं और फ्यूल से वो बिलियंस बना रहे हैं वो भी सामने आ गया कि जी वो आज के बाद जो है वो गेंस जो है तीस सत्तर की रेशो से बांटे जाएंगे तो रेगुलेटर क्या कर रहा था इसलिए कि अब रेगुलेटरी रिजीम में सब आ चुके हैं अब ये किसी और का काम नहीं है रेगुलेटर ही का काम है कि ये क्या हो रहा है और जैसे आज क्वेश्चन भी रेज हुआ कि ऑडिट का क्या बनेगा ऑडिट करेंगे या नहीं करेंगे जो पहले दिन कोई चीज लिख दी वो ऐसे ही होगी या नहीं होगी अच्छा इसके बाद यहाँ बात नहीं खत्म होती इसके बाद जब हम आगे जाते हैं तो पता ये चलता है कि बीसीओ ऐसे फैसेट्स हैं जो आई पी में थे उनको हम हैंडल नहीं कर सके वो जिन्होंने ओरिजिनली नगोशिएट किया अगर वो साथ मिली भगत थी या फॉर दैट मैटर उन्हें पता ना लगा तो इतनी बड़ा एक इदारा बनाया गया रेगुलेटर उसे बनाएगा उसने उसे देखा ही नहीं तो मकसद मेरा ये हुआ कि इलेक्ट्रिसिटी इन द कंट्री 
and which according to them was going to live with us so they said let's have a load suppression model and we went into the regulatory regime we left the earlier regime but we retained the earlier architecture so you can imagine what happens ada itar ada bater you cannot you cannot run an aeroplane just on the motorway it has to fly in it has to be made to fly you just can't say okay we'll just roll it on on the motorway between lahore and islamabad or whatever right so this is the main problem now coming over to the efficiency or the efficacy of the system itself i mean i'm talking of the genco's the national transmission and dispatch company and of course uh, the discos we see that the genco's are working below par they are not maintaining their efficiencies they have not been able to spend money on unm they they are not they have not taken up uh, any rnd so that uh, you know the, the existing plants could improve upon their efficiencies and capacities there are bottlenecks in the transmission system and the discos they are not working at all imagine imagine the regulator on its own of course at the insistence of the then government redid the targets for the discos in late 2016 i'll just give you an example in 19 in 2016 their discos were to maintain 13.5% losses and the next year in 17 it should have come down by half a notch or one notch say 12.5 to 13% and on the insistence of the then government it you know increased the loss level to 16.5% and also reduced the collection so that means what the regulator instead of staying put on its journey towards more efficiency was able to agree to what the government said and it increased the loss level also reduced the collection percentage meaning thereby it jacked up the consumer and tariff by you will not believe it by 27% in one go so it's like that so i see that the regulator has not been able to regulate the system whatever the reasons be and it is not a regulatory regime which is which has placed the sector in a straight jacket it is not a regulatory regime where it is semi straight jacket and lastly it is not even allowing the sector to be independent on a free float so it is somewhere in between and oscillating between a straight jacket and a free float i don't know how but it all depends upon the whims whims of uh, the managers of the power sector which remains it used to be the water and power ministry and now it is the power division or the regulator itself so what happens is the discos are not delivering they are not delivering on the quality of supply they are not de delivering on the quantity of supply and they are not even delivering on the pricing of the same now coming back to another point what was the position of these discos i mean their collection and loss level let us say it 12 years ago i am talking of uh, not 12 years but 15 years ago i am talking about the period between 2000 and 2005 
This was because before terrorism struck this country. Before that, uh, you'll be really surprised to know it that HESCO, which was looking after the whole of Sindh province, had a collection figure of plus 85 percent. Now the average collection of HESCO and SEPCO, these are the two distribution companies servicing the province of Sindh. The collection or the ATNC losses are anything between 38 to 42 percent. That means the collection and losses put together are just 60 percent from the high 80s, like 15 years ago. Similarly, if you move over to Kesco, Quetta Electric Supplier Company, which services the Baluchistan province, there the collection is uh, very lowly 42% and the losses, you cannot imagine the level of the losses. Similar is the position in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. It's a little better in the Punjab, but if we take care of, I mean, if we look into the, the, the working of MEPCO, we'll see that the, it has great losses and the losses being suffered by LESCO, not in the percentage, but in unit wise, are much more than what is being lost in the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa and like 1.3% of what is being lost in the province of Sindh. So if we look into percentages, it's a different story. But if we straight away discuss the unit figure, the un loss in unit figure, it is stupendous. So what happens is the main requirement for us in order to move forward is to change the architecture of the pricing and tariff in Pakistan. If we have a glut, the more you use, the less you pay, which is prevalent over the whole world, that needs to be taken care of. And as Dr. Nadeemul Haq said, he was very straight about it. He said that the regulator must regulate one, come up with the right cost of supply, okay, and then leave it to the government. It's for the government to pay a part of it. It doesn't matter if they wish to subsidize the whole thing and uh, do not want to take any, even a pie from the people of Pakistan, fine. But the regulator should not worry about it. There was a clear-cut clause in the NAPRA Act that there will be no inter-cross-tariff subsidy. There will be no cross-tariff subsidy. And similarly, meaning thereby that the high-end distribution, high-end uh, domestic consumer or the commercial consumers are not going to, not going to, I repeat, underwrite the, the lifeline customer or some other category like the, like the tubules and all that, agricultural uh, customers. Actually, it is for the government. If the government wishes, it is a socio-political or a socio-economic decision, then the government must pitch in. They can do it. They can do whatever they want to. But the regulator should not worry about it. So the meaning thereby that the architecture must, must change. And then there was another question from Dr. Nareemul Haq. He said, why don't you simply come up with a differential tariff and let the government decide what happens? So the first time we had differential tariffs for all the discos, uh, that was in 2010-11. So that was the time when the government decided to pick up and enforce the tariff, which was lowest on all the companies, while it decided to pay off the differential for the other companies. Good enough. It doesn't matter. At least the, the sector would work perfectly. Now, another example. 
Dr. Nadeemul Haq asked the question about K-Electric, which was known as the KEAC, and asked what the regulator was doing. The regulator had an answer that it is a private entity, it has its own problems, and it's very difficult to take care of it, forgetting that 25% of K-Electric's share is owned by the government of Pakistan, which has three directors on its 13-member BOD. We may, we may think that the K-Electric is not working, but did the regulator take up the issue with the government of Pakistan, which owns 25% of K-Electric? So it is responsible for the working of K-Electric. K-Electric must work. Did those three directors, governmental directors, on the K-Electric BOD ever, ever took up this case or cause before the K-Electric BOD for correction. They haven't done anything. And the regulator has not asked them. So I conclude that the pricing is wrong. It is erroneous. It is based on wrong premise. And it is trying to fix up an old architecture, which has nothing to do with the regulatory regime of today. And similarly, the regulator is unable to take care of its regulatory obligations when it comes to the GENCOs, the NTDC, and the DISCOs. And the DISCOs are nearly in a free float. I mean, if they are able to do something, they do it. If they don't do it, they simply tell that we have not been able to do it. Remembering that only 15 years ago, these companies were performing to quite a good standard. And it has only been during the last 15 years that they have gone back. Now, coming back to another point, which is very important. Uh, it was uh, in a webinar like um, a month ago when I informed everybody that we researched into the whole issue. We conducted a study and we found that the HDI of a particular area, per capita income of districts over there, the amount of investment in the power sector in that particular area, and the writ of the state has a strong bearing on the efficiency of these companies. Did the regulator ever do such a study? Did the regulator ever look into it and see what exactly were the reasons did it ever come up with a solution before the government, the owner of the power sector, to take care of the things? Did it ever ring a bell or raise a flag against what the IPPs were doing? I mean, it was the government itself now, last year, which took up the schedule and they said that the IPPs need to be taken care of. So all in all, we see that the pricing is wrong, needs correction. Similarly, the regulatory obligations are not being met. Consequently, the power sector does not operate. It does not serve its clientele. And there are no chances in the near future that the things would improve. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Shima Sab, as usual, very clear and very, very wonderful uh, analysis. Let me bring in Amina Sohail. I think Amina is back. Then I'll come back to you, Salman Sab, to address some of these issues. Samina, Amina, Amina Saiba, are you there? I would like yeah. to respond back to what uh, Please, of course, Masa of course. said after Amina's question. After, after Amina. Amina, go ahead. 
Right, sure. Uh, can you can you all hear me? We can hear you very well. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, I uh, I've seen the agenda, and uh, out of those uh, talking points, uh, um, I have suggested to Afia that I would like to discuss uh, the role of NEPRA uh, in the reform process and right. how much it has been able to. Uh, maximize welfare uh, to the consumers and uh, and its role in enhancing efficiency. So I think uh, these basically have also been uh, the concluding uh, remarks, uh, like in his in his own opinion, that Trimasa was of the view that unfortunately um, we do not see any uh, regulate like regulation as such going on in our country. And as far as the role of NEPRA to maximize uh, welfare of consumers, just don't ask about it uh, in terms of the losses that we are seeing and, uh, uh, and efficiency, of course, we didn't really touch in, in that sense. But efficiency from consumer perspective definitely means higher performance, uh, that they are good in, in providing a qualitative service. Um, I would just like to also uh, uh, to start with uh, highlight that uh, Today's uh, topic points, so the mood points, they start from the generation tariff and then we fall on to the distribution issues. So um, unfortunately, and rightly pointed out by Chima Sam, that we embarked upon a regulatory journey in 1995, quite an ordinance, which later became an act in 1997. But unfortunately, uh, the transition path that had to be crafted and designed parallel to the law that was put in place was not somehow was there. Uh, I've also served in the telecom sector and in fact it was out of an intrigue as to how regulation in telecom has paid off not only in our country but around the world. So partly uh, it is uh, attributed to the technical uh, you know uh, uh, characteristics. You can't hear me? No, we can hear you very well. Goli, goli. Okay, sorry. I, I, I just saw some you know, gestures from your side, so I thought no, no. maybe I'm not just sure. Just in my own position. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, so I was just saying that uh, apart from the technical uh, you know, uh, uh, differences that are distinctions that are there between the telecom and the power sector, uh, the problem that electricity is a highly politicized subject. The role of government is, is, is too eminent. And, and also the ownership of the entities who are not only generating, of course, uh, earlier when we started off with this uh, uh, path uh, of regulation, uh, uh, the, the ownership of the government was more, but uh, slightly uh, uh, lesser now uh, with the introduction of successive introduction of IPPs. But the question remains that how that electricity that is generated by a mix of public and private plants gets distributed to the consumer doorstep is the distribution company. And the distribution, all of the distribution companies are owned by government. Uh, the issue that how NEPRA can take part in the reforms is, is, uh, is effective regulation by going by the book. But unfortunately, no doubt that they have been failing on the earlier law. Soon after the 2018 amendment, there have been certain further obligations that have been put up uh, put in place for NEPRA to observe, but neither they've been able to, for, uh, to fulfill 
their own responsibilities in the previous law. And uh, what I've been informed during discussions with various NEPRA professionals, that the, the new amendments were also sort of just thrusted upon the regulator. There has been, been a, a consultation process. And as Prasharat Saab was mentioning about cost of service-based tariffs, there is this requirement under the new law that there has to be a uniform tariff. Unfortunately, earlier, it was the government's, government's unwritten policy, and it was not in the law as well. It was simply a policy that government used to adjust tariffs, and there, there used to be two notifications. One notification of the NEPRA-approved tariff, and the second notification, which was taking account of the subsidies that the government wanted to pass on to various consumers. However, after the 2018 amendment, under Section 31.4, there is this responsibility, this is fixed responsibility on the government, uh, or sorry, on the regulator to uh, determine a uniform tariff. So this, so this uniform tariff is, I think, uh, is unjust, uh, despite the fact it says that subject to various other previous provisions of that very section, which ca calls for uh, marginal appreciation of marginal cost principles, uh, giving due uh, weightage to the financial sustainability of those companies. But these are some, some very, uh, you know, like uh, opposite uh, direction, direction uh, 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 the mandate that is being given to the regulator are, are too uh, different. Uh, in, uh, and so at one point, the regulator is, is being asked to take care of uh, uh, certain issues which, whose direction goes into the east. And on the other side, by way of asking them to uh, uh, determine a uniform tariff, they were they are supposed to act uh, and move in a in a totally opposite direction. So these are some of the very uh, you know uh, hardcore issues present in the law itself. Because when the law sets a direction uh, which is not really uh, 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 even say uh, is irrational and it is unjustified, so how how can you uh, expect a regulator to act in a rational manner because definitely it's a regulator that has to go by the book. So they've, they've got all the justification to act in one way or the other as they interpret it. Um, currently, uh, uh, I'm working on an assignment where they are uh, determining wheeling tariff. Now, wheeling is another opportunity where NEPRA can do something to ease uh, pressure on the bulk power consumers by giving them an opportunity to uh, take power from wherever they want. And it was not just, uh, it's a new move. It was introduced by the government in, in, in its 2006 uh, renewable energy policy. And it's that only that the regulatory framework was not really in place. So right now, despite the fact that NEPRA now wants to do it, and uh, as per their, uh, you know, uh, determinations and decisions that there is this pressure from the government as well to uh, make it happen. But the problem is that they don't have cost uh, uh, available, which could identify that this service is going to cost this much and that service is going to cost that, that much. So whenever a VPC gets off the system, so what are the different, different dif various costs that that was BPC were earlier contributing, particularly uh, costs relating to capacity payments to IPPs, because earlier uh, all the consumers were being just uh, divided, uh, all, all these capacity payments were divided on all the consumers. But how they were being uh, uh, divided 
it was again a very um, you know a lopsided uh, formula that uh, nepra has been has been uh, adopting and still is adopting the same thing so what i mean to say that you've been unable to do your job under the earlier law and now under the current situation when there is a totally different law and it it demands something more than what you've been demanded earlier so i think uh, there are problems at the at the uh, at the level of the executive as well the people who form policy on the uh, on behalf of the government so no there nobody realizes that why we are in this mess at the moment things are not getting better as bachas have also mentioned so then what's the fun of adopting this regulatory path because regulation all over the world has been adopted as a um, as a matter of bringing in efficiencies lowering tariffs so all of these uh, benefits we are not seeing so isn't there a role and nepra has a strong advisory role as per their law as well uh, being a lawyer myself i would not ask or expect nepra to do something which they are not required to do under the law so whatever at least they are required to do under the law unfortunately they've been unable to do that they've not been uh, uh, falling on that onto that path so so if they have failed earlier i wonder what amina can i raise a question here yeah sure please can i ask you ye jo aapne लॉ चेंज होती है बार बार और नेपरा को कंफ्यूज कर दिया जाता है ये प्रेशर कहां से आता है लॉ चेंज करने का इज इट फ्रॉम द कोर्ट इज इट फ्रॉम द एग्जीक्यूटिव इज इट फ्रॉम द डोनर्स इज इट फ्रॉम द कंज्यूमर्स इज इट फ्रॉम द पार्लियामेंट कहां से ये प्रेशर आता है टू चेंज द लॉ राइट यू सी व्हाट आई फील इज दैट समहाउ आवर पावर सेक्टर हैज मोस्टली बीन गवर्नड And, uh, under the advices of multilateral donor agencies mm -hmm. be that asian development bank world bank and other agencies and there is less stress or less reliance on home grown expertise i i remember you've also been uh, in the planning commission and you've been also you know just uh, striking your head against wall uh, in terms of how fast we can move on the reforms agenda so there is so much resistance to change and all i have learned during my expertise uh, my experience in this sector that unfortunately no communication strategy has ever been adopted to bring people round to this idea what good is there in this regulation what benefits it can offer so unless all the stakeholders are aligned they are geared to achieve what this system can and may offer them i think only then we can get to that level one second okay there is a pressure but since we haven't really developed that home grown capability or if there is one nobody uh, you know uh, uh, considers them valuable so that's why you can see in the ministry it's it has such a scarcity of expertise uh, normally they rely on experts from one donor agency to the other donor agency from my experience i can tell you that this very law that has come up people openly blame that it has been copied from other jurisdictions so what good a copied law can do to us we have our own problems so we should, um, i was recently working on another concept 
of uh, supplier of last resort. Now, the new law says that there is going to be retail competition. And for that, they, have, they are dividing distribution among the wire business and the, uh, another uh, electric power supplier who will be just dealing with the billing and metering. And, and this responsibility of supplier of last resort has been put on the electric power supplier. So, and I've read through the literature everywhere and it says that it cannot be because it's always the distribution company who is having the wires ownership who can be the uh, be the supplier of last resort. So you can very well say that So unfortunately, whoever copied that, they, they forgot to align this very basic concept that the supplier of last resort. go back to Salman Rahman sahab to take up some of these issues. Then Salman sahab, I'll have to come back to some of the people. Yeah, so, sure. Salman could you take up some of these issues, but very quickly because we have other people to get to. So, um, I mean, definitely what um, Amina said, I, I reckon it, um, I agree with it in the sense that um, the government, I mean, needs to bring clarity what they want from the system and they, what they want from the regulator and how they want to, they, they, they foresee the sector. The important thing is that just like, I mean, just like she said that it was previously uh, a different uh, differential tariff, but right now, uh, it has been made uniform tariff and it has been made a part of our legislation. So what that essentially means is that it is actually rolling back the reform process, which uh, took place in the late 80s, late 90s, sorry. Um, so ISCO right now will be subsidizing PESCO and uh, because PESCO is a high uh, loss uh, territory and so on and so forth. Uh, efficiency, uh, I don't know how can that be uh, brought in the sector when there's a uniform tariff. Now, uh, let me clarify that from time to time, uh, definitely there are some correspondence which cannot be made public and for the for the reason that it's between two entities. Uh, I just want to clarify to Chima Saab that uh, we have uh, actually sent a number of uh, recommendations as a part of this, like Amina said, as a part of our, our job requirement. We have sent advisory to the federal government on different issues, including the governance issues of uh, distribution companies from time to time, not just once, but many times. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of them have actually reflected in uh, the decision, which is available on our website, especially in terms of uh, K-Electric. Um, uh, K-Electric come to us thrice recently, actually. Their, their multi-tariff expired for a seven year um, uh, period, for, for a period of seven years. Uh, they come. Uh, they initially submit a tariff petition, and then we give them a decision. Then they came on the review. We give them another decision. Then the government come on their behalf. So in all those decisions, we have clearly stated that uh, uh, there are some certain aspects of previous incentive-based tariff which cannot be uh, extended because they have come to a point where they have overcome the lo losses, which were at some point in 2005 around 40 percent. Right now, they're standing at 20 percent. So that is the that is a success. Right now, it was incentive-based tariff. It was it wasn't it wasn't just a cost plus tariff. It was incentive-based tariff. The current tariff is also incentive-based tariff. So we're not necessarily restricting ourselves to the cost plus tariff. Cost plus we understand is uh, probably not applicable in the uh, in today's time. A lot of but it was when there was a demand supply gap. We need to appreciate, and I'm sure Firestar um, is, a, is a very seasoned expert in the sector. 
we we do not uh, we do not necessarily appreciate the the, the decision making that has been happening that happened in the past because they are not necessarily reflecting decisions. For instance, there was a demand and supply gap. Um, when there's a demand and supply gap, you and when we are told that the the that the mm, that the cost of not Providing the power is 70, 80 rupees per kilowatt hour. That's reflected in World Bank and I think in IMF report as well. You need to bring, you need to bring uh, generation. And obviously we don't bring generation. It's a government prerogative. It's a government through LOI and LOS uh, given to different uh, investors come uh, forward to us um, and we give them a tariff. At that time, you cannot do a competition when, when, uh, people are saying a lot of things about the coal-based power plants, but see, at those time, you need a base load capability plants, and that were unfortunately being provided by the RFO-based plant, which were actually very ex expensive. Right now, that is uh, going away from the system, fortunately. In fact, our EPP has actually is actually lower than the CPP. Uh, in, in the old days, it, EPP was 60, 70 percent of your whole. Uh, capacity purchase price. Right now, it's almost 50-50. So the capacity, the impact of capacity uh, payments are almost half or at least more than what the energy purchase price is right now. But that these things happen. So we have from time to time uh, told the government about to bring clarity in the system. Government through, through the this new act has actually uh, sort of mandated us to give a uniform uh, tariff, and uh, we are uh, actually accordingly proceeding. And in terms of uh, the the IPP's uh, report and um, the outcome that has achieved through those MOUs, which has recently been signed, uh, those IPPs were given tariffs on cost plus basis, based base in uh, I think it was in two thousand five and two thousand six. They came to uh, operation two thousand nine to two thousand ten. And within a few years, uh, the, the, uh, the regulator wrote letters that we are seeing excessive profits. And you need to explain that we're given a cost plus tariff with a certain agreed rate of return. And we've actually proceeded against them before the formation of this committee, uh, which actually gave a report in an early part of this year. But they took a stay order against us and uh, we are still proceeding that. But I just, I just wanted to clarify that NEPRA from time to time in its own, you know, in its own resources that actually took actions, but there's so much you can do. I mean, I, I agree that the, the point of the, I mean, the, the law which said the administration can be appointed, but in terms of bank, perhaps this, this, this is easy, easiest case, but for the power sector, when the whole sector is making laws, you cannot have the administration for every distribution company. That's not just practical. If, 10, out of 10, only one were creating a problem, then the regulator can focus his attention on that particular uh, discourse. But when the entire distribution sector is, uh, has some systemic issues, which is like 70% owned by the, by, by the government. So that, I mean, you need to be very uh, judicious in exercising that option. And by the way, Shahid Sattar Sahib said that we are not giving a lot of data. Uh, we are giving daily log sharing data by NPCC and it has been happening, I don't know, for like last five, six years. And, and before that, there were limitations at the NPCC level because of uh, automation issues. But right now we, we do get those data.
Sir, is it on your website? It is. It is not. I think it is not on our website. That's my point. I mean, uh, so, I mean that's a different thing. But we we get the so data. It's not a different thing. Uh, the thing is that uh, I've worked in the sector. I know. Uh, you sent out these forms for collection of uh, data on circular debt. Have any of the companies responded to you? Can you please repeat that, please? Uh, yes, I, uh, what I said is the companies don't respond to you. Uh, you sent out these forms back in April or something like that for collection and verification of circular debt. None of the companies have responded with those forms to you. Now, my point is that uh, you, uh, you just don't have the data, circular debt data, I mean, you were saying 2.2 trillion as if, and don't really know. I know it's a lot more than that. I mean, I mean, you, you must appreciate that those data are coming from, I mean, it's not organically generated from regulator. We, it's I mean, different institution responsible, different sort of data. So, I mean, the CPP is a relevant institution. We have asked him from time to time, and there was issue with the government with regards to what is the correct circular data circular debt level position and we are in a corresponding uh, correspondence with the government including the cppag uh, to get the circular data updated uh, on periodic basis yeah, but salman sahab is me sorry salman sahab dekhiye a regulator must have all the data otherwise i don't know how you regulate and a regulator's data must be available to researchers like us to be able to understand what's happening. So I think quite frankly, I would urge you to A, make sure that the regulator has the data. Because as I said, in the central banking, the day does not end before the central bank has all the data. And the next morning, the governor's central bank has a complete consolidated balance sheet of the banking system on his table before the business begins. If you don't operate like that, you're obviously not regulating. So I would urge that data is something you can't outsource to CPPAG or anybody. This is the regulator's job. But anyway, let's move on. Shail Sattar sahab, you had something uh, that you wanted to share? Shail, are you there? I'll leave it till the end if there is time. Okay, great. No problem. So let's go to Akhtar Hussain Javed sahab. After Hussain sir. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> That's it. That's my question. 
Uh, Nadeem, I'd like to have an opportunity to provide some comments. Hello. I can't <coughs> see the hand sir, 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 Competitive market is pricing ki baat kar rahe affordability or sustainability ke naare government laga rahe aur jo steps hain discourse pe privatization kehti hai ki complete privatization hoti honi hai nepra kehta hai ki wire and pole ko separate karke armina ne kaha ki wo regulated consumeri rehna hai aur nepra kehta hai ki wahan pe competition honi hai wo bilateral ko aur wheeling ko log jo hai different samajhte hain Last city BCM ke hearing me tha. Wo kehte kisi ne kisi se sawal pucha nepra se hi ke disco wale aap log wheeling ko to court me lege ho, lekin city BCM ko aap jo hai hope so ke court me nahi le jaoge. To bhai bilateral bhi wohi hai. Jab wheeling already court me hai, to city BCM se hume ummeedein kya hai? Ye competition iske andar labs hai, jahan competition kis area me wholesale me to zero nazar aari hai. Retail agar regulated hi rehni hai to ye dhoka kai ke liye hai. Aur phir bilateral agar court me hai to phir before and after CTBCM kuch nazar to nahi aara. Phir ye kai ke ek engagement se ek to query ye hai. Phir dousra isme ye kliye abhi Pepco ki ek kahani shuru ho gayi hai jo ke 96 me start 99 me start hui after Vabda. Phir 12 me ke wo darwaza band hua corporate entities jo hai disco bani. अब उनकी उनको वो कॉर्पोरेट एंटिटीज अपनी जगह पे मैनेजिंग एजेंट जो है इसको बनाया गया है और तो डिफरेंस क्या रहेगा फिर अगेन एमडी पेपको एंड देन सीईओ डिस्को सेक्रेटरी को रिपोर्टिंग हो तो इससे एफिशिएंसी क्या होगी यार मेरे लिए मैनेजिंग एजेंट की एक फी का इजाफा होगा एक कॉस्ट सेंटर होगा और प्राइस बढ़ती जाएगी फिर साथ में ये कुछ समझ में नहीं आ रहा कि सलमान ने ईपीपी की बात की जो कि आज ₹5 और कैपेसिटी ₹7 की है Dunia may uh, 25 to 30% capacity payment is lower than energy. Then, the regulator is tariff the renewable policy is going to be auction. Yesterday, they agreement with Zenfa, LOS, AEDB, South Megawatt. They are going to dance parties. market competition. Ki, Market competition में जब wholesale की बात करते हैं तो long term contracts की बात नहीं होती है और फिर दूसरा जो है इधर से हम 25-25 साल के contract हैं आखरी आखरी नदीम साहब आखरी बात recently नहीं 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 pricing की बात हो रही है जब IGSEP आपका आया तो नेपरा ने खत लिखा हुआ है उसमें लिखा है कि 1500 मेगावाट ये भी हैं जिनको नेपरा ने टैरिफ दिया है तो काइंडली इसको जो yeah, um, I, can I, I, I just also, can I just add also, how much of the fault lies with the courts and with lawyers? Because we are an overlawyered society, everything goes to the court regardless of anything. I changed my curtains in my office and went to the court. curtains And court actually took the petition curtain change. I mean, is this the kind of society we want to be? Is, does the court have any expertise in energy? 
not at all not at all and as far as the kind of regulatory literature legal regulatory literature uh, we've been supporting i have served nepra for over 7 years and uh, we've been trying to satisfy courts appetite to intervene in every matter now and then however the problem lies where the lawyers are unaware and they are unable to make judges aware of their limits of how far they can lay their hands on the decisions of nepra or if the decisions of nepra are not really speaking orders you see the the window of opportunity for for uh, courts to intervene in regulatory matters is very limited and only if there is a, a process impropriety and there is lack of uh, 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 principles of natural justice these are the only two uh, avenues where a, a court's uh, a judicial uh, uh, scrutiny of nepra's decisions can be made so and i've alhamdulillah been able to defend in in a lot of matters nepra uh, i used to appear as a counsel and uh, we've tried to satisfy judges Uh, in fact in one of the case uh, the current sitting uh, judge of the supreme court ijazul uh, ehsan sahab was our lawyer and we made him understand as to how to express and explain the whole tariff system to the court because unless the courts understand that what kind of a regulatory system it is they can't really decide and they whatever they'll decide they'll be just creating a new barricade or blockage of giving stay orders and what stay orders do they only uh, you know avert the application of decisions and creating more cost for the system so this is just for the court's intervention that regarding the reforms one if you may allow me mm-hmm. you see uh, i think we need to decide that how much mileage we can cover in a particular time and let's go by milestone milestone wise because uh, i was at nepra when we gave up with the transitional arrangement order at when the ntdc's license was granted because the system of competition or the competition per se in the power sector cannot be introduced unless our wires are not freed from the clutches of old age bundled servicing because as long as the service would remain bundled no matter we have create corporate entities but they are still shackled they are not really operating under the corporate system that the corporate law envisages they might have boards but those boards are not independent they don't have any financial autonomy so if the filers be the be the ntdc or the distribution companies are unable to identify their cost or the regulator is unable to ask them to identify the cost they are putting up for providing ancillary services for providing balancing services for providing metering services for providing billing services you cannot create competition leave aside the generation competition and as far as generation competition is concerned i think nepra must be blamed should be blamed because it's a uh, equisence of the regulator and the government to give long term contracts we came up with a uh, nepra came up with uh, interim power procurement regulations back in 2005 and there it had provided that they won't be long term contracts if there are long term contracts they would be justified uh, in regulatory uh, literature it is called round the clock so these long term contracts are round the clock contracts because as you salman has ex- explained the capacity payments are becoming more than the energy payments and the picture is really horrendous 
for uh, the coming two, three, five years down the line, it is it is going to be really unbearable. And the government is currently, you know, just banging its ha head against the wall in terms of tackling the circular debt issue. It needs to do something about the capacity payments. They need there has to be renegotiations with these IPPs because this is what other countries have done. We are not the only country who is dealing with these capacity payments. Let's call let's call spade a spade. These capacity payments, if not stopped today, are going to be a total bankruptcy for the power sector. Okay. Rashid Sahib? Rashid Aziz. Ji, thank you, Nadeem. Asalaamu uh, Alaikum, everybody. Um, very categorically moved away from the topic itself, which was regulation and tariffs. But let me just, in that spirit, stay with I would like to, uh, first, Nadeem, I would like to comment on the first slide that you put up, five, six subjects that we have learned. Mm -hmm. And I'm uh, going to have to say, I'm sorry, I'm disappointed. I keep making this point in various, and I don't see that topic in there. I see things like we don't do enough research or there is not enough clarity in research. There's not enough good planning, et cetera, et cetera. But that element which I pointed out a number of times, investment, whether it be in new capacity, whether it be in upkeep, or whether it be in improvement, investment or expenditure. Some of it is clear, that topic doesn't figure. So therefore, even there I start with, the starting point is, we're talking part of the issues, we're not taking other aspects. And therefore, when we say, ah, I pointed out a fault, we seem to be justified. We were looking at parts of the picture. Now to the topic at hand, the, the, in fact, I'm tempted to go back into a topic which I shouldn't be, but let me, let me make this point. We have been told even during the seminar, oh, they are donor driven, somebody else has written it, etc., etc. Amina Saiba, do you remember when the first discussions on the NEPRA Act were being done, Ijaz Isaac, Rahman, yourself, etc., you were the people who were providing all the inputs to the lawyers on the bank side. Is that an example of we do not take local uh, views into account? Sorry, I do not think so. But anyway, that's the topic at hand, tariff setting and electricity pricing. We heard right at the outset, Salman and Tahir Saab, Tachima Saab saying the legacy or the architecture as it's been driven by socioeconomic considerations. It's been driven only by whatever we had. I'm sorry, I have to say it. It is driven by inertia. There was a tariff structure in 95. There was a tariff structure in 98. There was a tariff structure in 2005, etc. I don't believe anybody has made any effort to think through, should we have this seven slabs for residential, two or three or four slabs for industrial, one or two for commercial, etc. Should we be looking at, nobody's given that any thought. Nobody's given the th any thought to the question of, should residential consumption be subsidized by charging industry and commercial sectors more than the cost of supply? If they have, then it's not available in the public domain. And therefore that element of we are talking of inertia and therefore not willing to change from the past 
is what is guiding the tariff regime. One other additional element which I believe is guiding the tariff regime is this very strong emphasis on submit, defend, and I will approve. That's going to lead to its own challenges. It did lead to, for example, the challenge that you faced. You want some new curtains in? Why didn't you come to me for approval? That mentality of submit, defend, and then we will approve, maybe that's got to be reconsidered. Now, on to the question of this, this element of we are moving or we may be moving towards a competitive market. Is there any disagreement in that? I don't believe anybody in this forum will disagree that we should be. We may not be moving fast enough, but we should be moving to competitiveness, be it at the generation level, be it maybe even at the consumer level. However, in order to meet, move towards a competitive regime, the question arises, has NEPRA given any thought to what would be the kind of tariff rules or tariff procedure it would involve in setting competitive? And I'm not talking something that's out of thin air. I'm talking about, I think it's item five or six of the 13 or 14 standards, which are specified in NEPRA's tariff standards and procedure rules. There is one item which says will be governed by marginal cost pricing principle. The next one, NEPRA shall have a preference for competition and therefore will design what's being done in that regard. If those things are not done, we will stay with the inertia. We will stay with the existing regime, tinker with it at the margin, raise this particular slab by 7%, that by 10%, this particular consumer category by 4%, that by 20%. Etc. And our tariff structure will never move from that. We hide behind the law and regulations because we don't want to change because we want, don't want to think innovatively. Whatever it might be, the regulative object, regulatory objective, as I said, from central banking and what I know is very clear. And the central bank does not hesitate like our central bank closed down Mehran Bank without a moment's hesitation. It closed down other banks too, very clearly. BCCI was closed down here very clearly. Okay? There are things that happen and they happen when we know how to do our business. The fact is on energy, we don't know how to do our business and that's why all this mess is happening. And that's all I'm saying. Shaheen and Nisar Sahib, I'm going to have to interject out here. You're saying we don't know how to do our business. My claim on that is unfortunately the exact opposite. We, we do our business as efficiently as we allow it to be, as much as we allow it resources for upgrade, improvement, etc. That is the level that we are achieving. If we do not allow for additional investments, we will go for that through that un excess demand and excess supply. If we do now not allow enough resources for upgrade and modernization and those loss reductions and everything, we will be basically at the we Basically, we should borrow from the World Bank to upgrade all the time without ever achieving upgradation. No, yes. we should be ready to yes. allocate those resources in the tariff, whether they come from borrowed funds or they come from reinvested earnings. That is okay, perfectly sensible financing. I'm ahead. sorry. I'm going to... Uh
Hello, Assalamualaikum. Um, this is my first attendance. Um, I'm just listening to everybody and I'm getting this. Don't worry. First time, but I worked in the energy sector for a long time and I have uh, worked on marginal cost pricing and I've worked on. Um, you know, pricing and energy efficiency and demand side management and other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying that um, I really like the, pre the presentation of Amina Sohail, who's mm -hmm. the lawyer, and she did talk Good. about the basic premise on which regulation should be done. And that would be to rationalize how the price structure takes place, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's marginal cost pricing or something, um, one has to rationalize it. It's not just on the whims, which I am getting an impression that, you know, regulation is the key to driving the private, the power sector in Pakistan, which should not be the case. Why should there be a safety welfare objective right at the beginning? Uh, one has to think about the efficiency of the sector by the way, I would like to present, uh, you know, my, uh, my, my, uh, you know, I worked on, I wrote a chapter fiscal, on fiscal policy and economic growth. Um, this was um, edited by Cheryl Gray and uh, Aristomani uh, for ECA countries. And I looked at different aspects of the, the power sector in seven countries in, in Eastern Europe. Um, and I looked at the hidden subsidies also, and I related it with how the fiscal policy gets affected, or how fiscal space gets squeezed uh, when the energy sector, when the power sector is not working properly. But that's a side issue. Um, I think my suggestion would be to start paying attention to the commercialization aspect, to look at the energy sector as not something to be regulated, prices as not something to be re regulated, but they should really look at the resource efficiencies and look at the resources, the new resources like renewable energy and wind power, solar and everything. And then we should have a role of energy efficient technologies in different sectors also. That would definitely be working in, and we're talking about basic economics, the market model, supply and demand, but, but energy sector in the power sector seems like too much driven by the supply aspects. Okay. So, good. so good. I, think, I, I think we need to have some role of technologies and we need to rationalize the prices and regulation should not be something which should be the priority. I think these are my general comments at this time. Thank you, Shaina. Thank you. Iqbal Atra, Iqbal Ultra, Iqbal Atra, Iqbal Sab. Iqbal is gone. Okay. Then we'll go to uh, Amina Sohail again. Amina wants to talk. Iqbal Sab, you have anything to say? I think Iqbal Sab is trying, but he can't seem to do it. He's not doing it. Iqbal Sab, we can't hear you, Iqbal Sab. We can't hear you. Iqbal Sab, we can't hear you. Ab boliye. Boliye. No, Iqbal Sab, we can't hear you. You have to unmute yourself, Iqbal Sab. Ab. Phir ab mute kar dete hain. Okay, chhod Amina, baby, go ahead. 
Anybody else from the panel wants to speak? Sir, Akhtar Ali Saab se puchhe. Akhtar Ali Saab, boliye. Akhtar Saab. Ji, Akhtar Saab. Akhtar Saab, unmute. Ji, I have to unmute. Ab aari hai ab. Ab aari hai. Ab, uh, I would start on the independence of uh, the regulator. I would start with the verse of Iqbal. Hmm. Hmm. He said, Mullah ko jo masjid mein sajde ki jazat nadan samajta hai ke nadan samajta hai ke Islam hai azad. Anyway, dekhi baat ye hai ke uh, abhi IPPs have been partly taken care of. Now the turn is for NEPRA. NEPRA's house has to be put in order. There is a need, heavy need for review of NEPRA performance and, uh, uh, and the reforms that have to go into it. <clears throat> the regulatory process is heavily influenced by the vendors. The, the determination meetings that are held are in those meetings, consumer is hardly represented. I, at some times, I have seen in the meeting rooms 25, 30, 40 companies and myself uh, alone defending the, trying to defend the consumer. So the regulatory process is heavily influenced and dominated by the vendor. It is a common knowledge in Pakistan that you need not to have your own equity to be able to invest in power sector. Zero equity syndrome is largely known. The IPP report that has been given, the IPPs have been saving that have been defending themselves that it is NEPRA which has given this tariff to us. Why are you catching us for these high prices? So NEPRA is quite culpable in the situation that we are in. The average tariff NEPRA has been given giving is from 40 to 100 percent high. NEPRA has capacity and capability problems. NEPRA has only financial experts. They do not have, neither do have themselves have capability to assess costs, nor do they engage third party experts. I have not, for the last 10 years, I've been attending the determination meetings and I've been examining NEPRA literature frequently attending the determination meetings, I haven't seen yet uh, any third party uh, determination or any third party input on multi-billion dollar investments. What they do is they take uh, either PPIB's uh, advice or they take vendor's data and do plus minus to it and award the tariff. So time has come that the government uh, uh, appoints a third party to review the NEPRA processes, NEPRA performance, and NEPRA capabilities. 
there are many issues which i have been raising over the last 10 years uh, nepra arbitrarily uh, awards capex arbitrarily awards uh, the uh, debt margins of 4.5% and etc so the time has come that somebody takes care of nepra thank you thank you ji let me bring in vakas najib sahab member planning commission vakas sahab would you like to say anything on this subject you know the power sector very well how should we i want to ask you a very general question this is not about repna how should we develop a regulatory system for the power sector i'm a bit at odds to understand that even after this webinar what should the regulation be doing what is its business how can it regulate uh, salman sahab is right how can it regulate a government owned business um thank you very much dr sam there's <clears throat> uh, always it's a, it's a very uh, useful discussion i think to understand the role of uh, regulator in a discussion or a seminar like this we may have to separate the issues <clears throat> i think we are talking about four or five different layers of four or five different issues so for instance first issue is uh setting the tariff for generation so whether it's cost plus or other models so regulator has been setting generation tariffs the second issue that we discussed was how to to design the schedule of tariff and cross subsidies based on cost of service study or any other cost of service method so the second component is how to set uh, how to set end consumer prices by the regulator i think the third issue is compliance of regulatory rules and laws which has been one of the problem in ke and other issues also ipps which salman sab also mentioned and over in in compliance side there is role of the courts that have uh, in in many instances have been stepping in in the regulatory regime and i think the the fourth and the larger pillar is overall design of the sector and evolving it to a certain direction from state owned to a more corporatized and eventually privatized and competitive market and i think we may have to evaluate the performance and the role of the regulator independently in each of these regimes or each of these functions that the regulator has been performing over the years uh, i think in on one side there may be a larger agreement that on the generation side or on cost or in tariff of the generation despite having uh, almost two decades or over two decades of experience the regulator has not performed as good as good as it should have even in the cost plus tariff setting regime and that we could see from even the upfront tariff setting on the coal and lng and transmission side so i think despite having all the experience we were still found lacking in setting good cost plus tariffs which uh, in my view uh, should not have happened in coal and other projects and some of akhtar ali sahab's observations and everybody else's observations that you know even in cost plus i think we should have done better and we do not get good marks on cost of service side i think there have you know in this design of schedule of tariff multiple slabs rashid aziz sahab is probably right there is inertia so there's and i i think around 8 9 years ago there was an attempt to do cost of service study for each of the disco and as a result many steps should have happened and we should have a different schedule of tariff and different slab designs based on cost of service and cost of serving customers at each of the voltage and customer categories um i don't know if any if it moved 
forward, I have not seen any drive to change the schedule of tariff and, and slab categories based on real cost of service. So I think on that side also, I think we can say in, in designing the consumer and tariff, um, the regulator should have done more job. I'm sorry, I feel bad for for, uh, um, for Salman who's representing the regulator, but it's it's difficult for him. But I think it's it's, it's more of a general discussion which should inform the, the future um, course. <clears throat> uh, on the on the third aspect um, to which I discussed, which was the um, um, the performance of the discourse. I think over there, it's unfair. It's first we'll have to establish the principle that if the regulatory tariff and regulators' performance targets are the real drivers of distribution companies' performance. I think that is not correct. So, you know, even if the regulator sets a benchmark loss of 10%, it's irrelevant as long as the companies are not corporatized, they're not financially independent. And I, and I think there's, there's the, the, since they have recourse to free equity from the government, I think it's, it's this, this whole regulatory target setting is, I don't think it sets the right direction just makes the discourse in more losses. So I think the, the the distribution company's performance setting will have to go hand in hand with the governance reform in the distribution companies so that there is some performance um, KPI setting which can go with the regulatory targets as well. I think on, on that front, I think a larger uh, confluence of uh, of regulatory benchmark setting with the distribution governance reform, I think there will have to be a marriage between the two. Otherwise, I don't think it makes much of a difference on from regulatory targets alone, if you know, as a driver of distribution companies' performance. Uh, on the fourth aspect of the regulatory role, that, that's design of the overall market. I think Salman uh, very politely mentioned in the middle that there was shortage of supply and supply demand gap. So you know, the regulator was probably forced to. Um, so I think on, on that, there hasn't been clear lead or any responsibility and ownership of who will drive the change in the market, even after NEPRA's uh, um, constitution. So I think um, over the past two, three decades, we we probably set our initial direction uh, towards a, a corporatized and efficient and privatized and competitive market, but it got stuck and there was no owner of, of getting us out of that inertia and out of that, uh, um, you know, wherever we got frozen. Um, so I think there's, over there, there's lack of uh, ownership, both, so both from the government and the regulator. So I think on all these fronts, we may have to look at regulatory performance differently, regulatory ownership differently. Um, and we may have to, you know, I probably agree a bit with Akhtar Ali Saab that, you know, the, the regulatory role, the capacity will have to be reviewed and enhanced if it has to play its role in all of these four or five areas. Where we so, its performance so uh, Vakasa, what role is the Planning Commission playing in all this? Shouldn't you be rethinking the role of the regulator in the market, etc.? Isn't that the job of the Planning Commission? Should we be doing that? Vakasa, could you hear me? Yes, but I couldn't unmute myself. Now I can. Um, so I think the Planning Commission, uh, Planning Commission itself as an institution does not really have the capacity um, to go beyond appraisal of 
the of the PSDB projects as, as an institution. Um, as a concept, I think it should be doing a lot more than it is currently doing. Um, but I think in the larger context in the power sector, since there are, there are many players, um, so I, so one entity will have to to play the this coordinating role between all the the players of the market. Um, the regulatory function so far, as it has seen from from the beginning of the regulatory constitution, it wanted to be more of a quasi-judicial forum. Initially, it tilted more towards a judicial-like forum where it's only uh, educating educating on on the on the petitions. Lately, it has become more op operational and less um, judicial in its outlook and the way it's uh, carrying out its decisions. So I think that there needs to be more thinking. I don't know if planning commission as an institution has the capacity to lead it. Um, but yeah, some, we, we will have to find uh, one so institution. Where is, where, is this thinking, where is this thinking done? I mean, Rashid Aziz, for example, came along and said there's no shortage of research and ideas. So where is this thinking happening? Where is the research and ideas being developed in the, in the country that led to the uniform tariff system, that led to the changes in NEPRA laws, that led to the making of the NEPRA laws? Who does all this business? I mean, I'm really interested. I want to find out where it happens because I can't seem to find it. Uh, would you I like to there is definitely Rashid, 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 you go ahead i'll i'll partly agree with Rashid sir on on one aspect that uh, i think on, on on the issue of power <clears throat> we'll have to probably separate the the issues distinctly so one of it is the engineering part of it running of the power sector the power plants i think pakistan has developed good capacity um, on, on the engineering front, and I think that capacity just needs to be developed. On the <clears throat> on the pricing issue, when it, when you talk about the tariff and uniform tariff, that is that is more complex because it involves uh, subsidy, it involves uh, fiscal management or debt management, it also involves the uh, the socio-economic component or the political. Uh, so my 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 question is slightly different. Every country has a every company. Sorry, every company. You've been in many companies, you know this better than me. Every company has a corporate strategy department. Every company has some kind of a department where thinking is done about its existence, about its future, about where it's going. Where does it happen in Pakistan as far as the energy system is concerned? Um, a block. I, I think, the, yeah, formally it does not happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, formally it does not happen. Uh, formally it should happen in, at the Ministry of Water and Power. Ministry of Power or Power Division, Ministry of Energy. Yes. It should have been there and it should have more of a policy and thinking role. However, it has lately it has become more involved or you know, for the past two, three decades in, in operations of the disco. So essentially power ministry runs the distribution companies as a as a holding company which also has a management role directly. So I think that we have so a got problem operations, there. You got operations, capacity, financial management all mixed in one. Yes, and I think that's where the problem lies. So I, I would categorize it in not lack of capacity. So I think we've got human resource, we've got ideas, but I think the role of institutions that needs to be clarified and probably the ministry has, will have to redefine its role. And it's, it's something that is being discussed and hopefully we'll see something towards this end in the coming. Okay. Let me go back to Rasha. Rasha, sir, you were saying something? Yeah, I'd like to say something about this, exactly this topic of where thinking is done. 
as vakasav said yes a lot of it or almost all of it is coordinated that's my distinction from his wording it's coordinated at the ministry of water and power but it does involve inputs from everybody at three or four different stages one at the preparation stage the group that is preparing for example a policy framework that group does include representatives and i'm going to give a specific example even from nepra i remember if the kharsab was in as far back as 2017 he's one of the lawyers who's worked in nepra or working in nepra he was part of the group that was preparing the policy and i saw it on his screen and i said how did you get this and he said i'm part of that working group that is writing it planning commission i'm sure there is a representative in preparing finance division yes there is wopda there is i'm sure there is they can pretend that they don't they're never asked and somebody just imposes something on them the reality is away the second place where it comes into a multi ministerial and across at the preparation of the summaries the summary for submission to a cabinet or to whatever forum that summary goes through all those reviews and comments by other ministries departments and associated individuals and the third where it goes through is at those discussions at all those forums all those forums so like cci committees etc. and forums that decided okay fair point i accept that uh, amina bibi aap batayega what is your view on all this you also want to say another sir just one one thing yeah. i'd like to add yes. sir you can shayad you can come in yes, after me amina yeah amina uh, uh, and this is also linked to uh, uh, the earlier comment that uh, asab made uh, that uh, it's donor driven i would just like to ask if anybody know because i have just heard that uh, in fact i can't really say it's by, by uh, for sure but the the person who was behind the 2018 amendments was not paid by the government was paid by a donor agency and why nepra now is claiming that we were not really considered while uh, these amendments were were being approved i've also been part of a process of uh, finalizing a law that is the prevention of electronic crimes act while i was working for the ministry of it and telecom i that law is claimed to be the most debated law in this country and it only relates to electronic systems internet and stuff like that however i think electricity is far more basic right it should have been debated like anything and i've seen for that particular law ie the cyber crime law people from various jurisdictions approaching the committees the standing committees of the national assembly and the senate about one right or the other religious groups of uh, accommodating uh, various contents relating to different other issues which relate to cyber crime law so i wonder uh, i can agree uh, which rashid sahab just explained as to this is the policy making process but unfortunately our law making process is flawed i myself supervised for making from formulation to its actual notification of this one complete law that could not get passed for over two and a half years but because of the some sort of synchronization that uh, uh, somehow got created that law was passed so for electricity law is such an important subject i don't think that for 2018 that effort was put in place and there are news of some more amendments coming in so i think 
our law making process should be made open those committees are of the national assembly and the senate are for discussion but neither the committees are because these are members of the national assembly and the senate senate to the extent you can say they are technocrats but for national assembly people are from all over the country that are represented so there should be an opportunity for the regulator to explain to those committees that this is what is meant under this law this is the problem with this law but i have been told that the chairman at that point in time was just simply snubbed by the head of the committee so if this is an this is the environment in which our laws are made our policies are made we can't really find something good out of that unfortunately that's the thing ji sir i am sure glad that i've been waiting for 2 hours to hear that there's an amendment in parliament which is coming through that amendment in parliament will override anything that nepra does and al- allow government to do whatever it wishes whenever it wishes wherever it wishes so what we are debating is pointless is completely ir- irrelevant uh, if this new law comes into effect which it will given that government has the majority then uh, i think uh, we are back to square one and uh, so where did this I, law come from who prepared this law where did it come from the uh, apparently so i'm told that the law came uh, from the ministry of finance uh, who wanted that all the cost or the additional cost that nepra doesn't allow uh, into the tariff should be covered by the consumers but uh, it's a much much wider uh, and all encompassing sort of an amendment which sort of negates everything that has ever happened i'd just stop at that theek hai salman sahab chaliye ji let's try and get to some kind of a salman sahab up to you now aap last words dein then i'll go to chima sahab and then we'll try and close it chi salman sahab acha isme thoda sa i mean the the top the topic is actually regulation and how the onefra does its uh, Pricing regime. I think, um, somewhere, I think I'll, I'll probably need Dr. Sab your help. Is that yeah. it may not be fair? Um, at least I mean, I've brought the feeling that I mean, topic is regulation and NEPRA, but the issues of power sector should not be uh, uh, squarely blamed on NEPRA itself because there are other. Uh, uh, there are. Hey, blame, there's no blame. There's no blame anywhere. No. There are institutions involved in uh, policy making, and the, the NEPRA essentially follows the policy directive, which comes from the government from time to time. It's a part of our act as well. I mean, under the new act, actually, we are supposed to follow the policy and uh, the electricity plan, which un- unfortunately have not been made uh, public. In fact, there are still drafts going around, but it has not been approved. And without that, there is still amendment going on in NEPRA act. uh that clarity is very important for us uh that what is the electricity plan and what is the policy that will ultimately be approved by um by by the ccr that anything contained uh in that policy will be binding on us so in terms of independence uh it i mean it will be entirely driven by what the legislator or the decision makers want from nepra going forward there's a uh there's a lot of inertia i mean let me tell you very frankly with regards to implementation of uh, uh, ctbcm and in that um, there are few i mean a few technology power plants which are not going to be uh, there in future for instance uh, thermal power plant except for third 
it's not going to be there. So this, the sector is evolving and there, there's a lot of opportunity for growth, definitely, which uh, not, not just at NEPRA, but at the government level, at every level that needs to be improved. But we must appreciate that uh, things are moving, things are moving and perhaps uh, to, 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 to a degree where we think that good will come out of it. For instance, the renewable energy is actually going to be a game changer in the sense that the tariffs are lower, it's going to lower down so overall tariff. Uh, the only issue which we are facing right now, it's not just net but the power sector is that un, un, uh, unplanned expansion that, that happened. Because of that, we need more, more generation in order to you know, flatten up the capacity curve. Till that time, in my personal opinion, till that, till that time, we will not be able to see a lot of competitive market, a lot of wheeling, because at the end of the day, you, you're, I mean, this is one of the concerns actually raised by, from the power purchaser, that if paying customer going out from the system through competition, not necessarily through competition, but through someone selling them a cheaper rate, uh, then the, that remaining capacity is going to be divided by a lesser number of units. So that is, I mean, the, the people who are left in the national grid will pay more. So till that time, there is that, there is that issue. I don't know, uh, and it, is, it, is, it will definitely be debated in NEPRA and at, the, at, the, at other forums, whether wheeling needs to be allowed. And uh, CPPA is, uh, has concerned, concerned with that. So till that capacity issue, which I'm, I'm sure after uh, the government had made a number of MOUs uh, with IPPs, mm -hmm. uh, which actually concerning more with IPPs that came into fruition in, under the policy of 94, 2006 and 2002. If that is applied in the government owned power plants, um, almost 50% of the capacity are going to be from government owned power plants. So if that is applied, the capacity, I mean, that we're talking about the flattening curve. So that, that's, going to, that's going to be happen. And after that, I think the, the, the market will be ripe for a competitive uh, Sir, my immediate concern about what I hear from Salman is that in order to save the power sector, please sacrifice the country. Because if we are not able to compete internationally with our exports, with our industry, then uh, you know we don't have an economic future. Sorry. Yes, sir. What, I mean, what I just want to, I just want to uh, let everybody know that just let appreciate the fact that it's not that easy to make a decision to move towards competitive. I completely understand your point of view. But see, if we, I mean, if it is allowed, and it's my personal opinion, if it is allowed that BPC and everybody can sell power to everybody right now at this very instance, you have a capacity payment of 750 billion. That is close to about seven and a half uh, rupees. If that, if that is shifted, your, if, if your demand is gone, then who's going to pay for it? I completely understand. I actually agree with you. This is, this is not fair to the sector. But look at those, look at from the shoes from the decision maker. If we allow that, the people who cannot afford the residential consumers, the industry will be completely gone because there are a lot of cheaper solutions available. So I just wanted to show that there's, there, there's a out, both side to it and it's not, it's not black and white that we can make a decision right now. 
I just want everybody to appreciate that in these circumstances, it may not be uh, very categorical to take one position or another. Uh, it's, it's no, no, agreed, agreed, totally agreed. There's no black and white in the world, Let of stop. course. Can I just add Let a me, G. Amina Bibi, go ahead. Um, I agree with uh, what Salman said, and also apologies. We're constantly picking on uh, Nepra. The fact no of the matter is that uh, the regulator was created probably at the behest of uh, a foreign funding agency. But the regulator was never given the sort of power that it needs to exercise its role effectively. And that's given rise to all sorts of issues. In Pakistan, it's the Ministry of Energy and the Power Division that's effectively playing the role of the regulator. And other than tariff setting, NEPRA hasn't really had any uh, proactive role or taken a proactive stance on any of the other roles that a regulator is typically uh, given internationally. <clears throat> Um, so having said that, uh, Salman just mentioned that there are no simple solutions. And I agree with him, but then the situation in Pakistan requires an unusual um, creative solution. And I'm wondering if NEPRA is giving any thought uh, or doing any work on then coming up with, a, with an unusual creative solution that will, like Shahid Saab said, save the economy and the, the business, preserve the businesses or the business community of this country while getting out of the, this issue of the, or, or addressing the issue of capacity payments. Uh, I agree with Shahid Saab, you cannot um, fulfill your capacity obligations at the expense of the business community or the economy of this country. And that's exactly what's going to happen if things stay the way they are, if our tariffs continue the trajectory that they're on currently. So is NEPRA doing anything to then come up with an alternative solution? We keep hearing of capacity payments. We have capacity obligations, but the solution is not shifting those obligations to the private sector, to the business community. Are there any alternatives that NEPRA is discussing currently? Yes, there are. So, uh, I mean, definitely, um, I mean, the conventional thinking will not work because that is uh, that's a big problem, the capacity trap. And uh, and of course, I mean, why the capacity trap? Let's not go into it because uh, then there there are a number of issues uh, because of that that we are at this stage that where there is a lot of capacity payment but no but less demand. The issue which we see is that as long as you have a sale growth, which is uh, unfortunately not happening because of uh, our constrained economic growth and also because of pandemic, how do you increase the sale? If you are, if you're able to increase the sale, then the impact of capacity uh, prices are reduced. In fact, it's, uh, it's flattened. Um, and the, I, the cost of idle capacity is lowered. Salman, uh, can I interject for one second? Uh, I, this issue was raised uh, half an hour ago as well, that you know we, we're, we're stuck in a capacity uh, trap. But it seems a little oxymoronic because we're a country that uh, per capita consumes half the electricity of our underdeveloped neighbors, like for instance, India. Uh, our per capita electricity consumption is about half of India right now. Uh, the demand here is suppressed. It's not really low. It's suppressed by the excessively high electricity costs. Our electricity tariffs are competing with the United States of America and we're a developing country. 
Bashar, um, the Chima pointed out earlier on that we're following a load suppression model as far as our tariff setting mechanism is concerned. We have this ascending block rate structure and there are alternatives to it. For instance, the descending block rate structure where the more you consume, the less you pay for the electricity that you consume. Why aren't we looking into solutions like that? Has anybody done a study or an economic analysis of shifting to a descending block rate structure, for instance? How will that impact the capacity payments and the tariff? Okay, so there, there are two things to it. Number one, I, I just want to complete my initial thought. Okay. Um, so we're talking about innovative solution. Uh, we have recently extended the contract of Tapal and Gulehamat. Uh, it was 92, uh, 94 policy power plants. I mean, we trained for our 22 years and we have given them a three-year extension. In that decision, several other decisions, which we have said that we need to, there needs to be a holistic planning, which means NDDC cannot have its own planning and K-Electric have its own planning. We need more number of units to be sold. In order to do that, we have under capacity in KE system and we have over capacity in NDDC system. So it's a no-brainer. Everybody has this information. I'm sure everybody will come at this conclusion that you need to have more power sold to K-Electric system. And that's what we have said so many times, and it's not just us. We have, we have actually written that all new power plants that are going to be commissioned by K-Electric need to stop, at least put on hold, and the right word would be put on hold, so that uh, <coughs> is able to sell you more. And in order to do that, you need to invest in infrastructure. So the argument that have been was that there is no infrastructure available. There's a 500 grid investment, two, 220 grid investment. So immediately it cannot be happened. But what we have said that in, in, mega, in, in, uh, in terms of investment cost and in the time frame, you can build those line and grid station at much lower cost and, and much earlier than building the same plant. Uh, I mean, building uh, an entire uh, generating unit in order to support that. So we have given them three years uh, they, that um, you can draw power from Tapal and Gokulam. But meanwhile, uh, before that, if something, uh, uh, I mean, um, if, uh, if the grid is in a position, both sides, NTDC and K-Electric is in a position to get more energy from the NTDC. So definitely that contract will expire. And in addition to that, there are other issues as well. For instance, um, the pricing of gas as well. So there are a lot of captive potential in the system, just like Armina said. The captive potential is there. They have been supplied a very uh, cheaper gas, and those gas uh, power plants are in, in, inefficient. So the pricing needs to be appropriate in order for the uh, bulk power consumer who have their own uh, energy and own capacity through a source which is cheaper needs to have a right pricing so that they have the incentive to shift towards the grid. So all these things we do, but at the end of the day, we recommend, we cannot even extend to those uh, petrol, because it's, a, it's an entirely different sector. It's a uh, petroleum sector. I mean, we, we have from time to time during various meeting and corresponding, have actually told the power division that this is where the potential lies. And those, I think, are definitely the participants will have their own thoughts about it. And there may be other solutions. But considering this constraint, um, it's very difficult. The decision making is very difficult. Either you allow a complete, uh, complete re removal of 
sanction, I mean, I won't say, uh, put the word sanction, but do you allow BPC mm -hmm. to sell directly? Do you allow uh, the distribution company to remove the exclusivity so that everybody can sell to those that exactly they'll get you, they'll get your most um, uh, efficient consumers, which are industrial. Right now, they are paying about 22.3 rupees per kilowatt hour, but any solar power plant can sell them at, I don't know, less than five or six rupees. But those 22, but, 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 but it is 22 rupees per kilowatt hour because it is subsidize, subsidizing the residential and residential sector. If you want to increase the residential sector tariff, then the government needs to tell us. It's at the end of the day, the government decision. Um, thank, you, thank, you very much. thank you very much, Salman sir. Ji, uh, um, Aminabi, you want to say something else or should I just I now get add, uh, I just wanted to add, and Salman is probably aware of this, but it still is worrying. And, you know, I, I still want to say it just to make sure that this is something that NEPRA is aware of. You just spoke about the competitiveness of solar power compared to grid-scale electricity. Hmm. And uh, based on the latest statistics from NTDC, I believe there's about 50 megawatts of uh, net metered solar power on the grid at the moment. But do you know that in 2019, or maybe even the year before that, in 2018, Pakistan imported one gigawatt of solar panels, uh, and the combined capacity of both net metered and grid scale power plants in that year was not more than about 400 megawatts. So the question arises, where is this excess uh, where are these excess solar panels going? And the most logical answer is these are off-grid installations. Now, nobody's keeping a track of how much off-grid uh, solar electricity is being installed in Pakistan. And my assessment is that it is exponential. It's growing at an exponential rate. So this system is going to collapse uh, whether you do something about uh, the excessively high tariffs in this country or not the system is going to implode eventually. So if you did something now, however you want to spur demand, whether it's by lowering tariffs, if you haven't done a study on the impact of lowering tariffs um, or by giving some discount, good. but you need to do it right now because this system is going to implode on itself good regardless. Good point, Amina. Maybe. Let me go to Bishara Chima sahab for trying to square the circle for us. Bishara Chima, you're very good at that. Uh, shukriya ji. Can you please try with us, please? Ji. Shukriya ji. I want to vernacular. They decide who has to cut his jeep. And साइट भी डिसाइड करते हैं कि कहां लोग आएंगे जिनकी जेब कटनी है और फिर आगे चलते हैं लेकिन इस सिलसिले में पहले अर्ज कर दूं कि अभी कहा गया कि लॉ है और वो शायद मिनिस्ट्री ऑफ फाइनेंस स्पॉन्सर्ड है जिसमें उन्होंने कहा कि जैसे हम कहेंगे वैसे होगा देखें वो अकाउंटेंट है टू द गवर्नमेंट उसका काम सिर्फ एक है कि जितना खर्चा आए उसकी पेमेंट जो है उस सेक्टर का सारिफ पे कर दे तो आप उन्हें कुछ कह नहीं सकते बड़ी जायज बात है इसके बाद हम आ जाते हैं पावर डिवीन पे जो इस वक्त मैनेजर है सेक्टर का वो अपना काम नहीं कर रहा वो कोशिश कर ही नहीं रहा कि बिजली बिके बल्कि वो इनहिबिट कर रहा है रेवेन्यू बेस्ड लोड शेडिंग से इस वक्त भी 5000 मेगावाट जो है वो बंद किया जाता है 
इसके बाद मजीद पाकिस्तान में जो है वो बिजली देने के लिए कोई प्रोग्राम नहीं है बांग्लादेश ने अभी डिसाइड किया है एक महीना पहले कि उसका ग्लोबल कवर यानी कि पूरे नेशन में कवर होगा ग्रेड का हमारे यहाँ जो है वो पैंसठ फीसद है इसके बाद जो इश्यूज हैं डिस्कोज के जिसकी वजह से वो कलेक्शन नहीं कर पा रहे जैसे मैंने पहले भी अर्ज किया उस सिलसिले में पावर डिमीन कुछ भी नहीं कर रही बेहतर है कि सोया रह, रहा जाए बिजली बंद कर दी जाए और इसके बाद जो कुछ भी है वो पैसे प्लांट या कम्प्लाइंट कस्टमर से ले लिए जाए इसके बाद रेगुलेटर आ जाता है अब जरा गौर कीजिएगा कि फाइनेंस मिनिस्ट्री सिर्फ एक बात करती है कि कॉस्ट ऑफ सर्विस जो हमारी है जितने भी पैसे लगे हैं वो पूरे के पूरे सेक्टर से आने चाहिए इसके बाद जो पावर डिमीन है वो इसके लिए कोशिश नहीं कर रहा अब आ जाता है जी स्टेट वे रेगुलेटर रेगुलेटर जो है उसने पेडेड अप कॉस्ट ऑफ सर्विस जो है वो अप्रूव कर दी हुई है उसने एक्चुअल कॉस्ट ऑफ सर्विस की तरफ वो गया ही नहीं है जब वो एक्चुअल कॉस्ट ऑफ सर्विस की तरह जाएगा पैडिंग्स ओवर इनवॉइसिंग को खत्म करेगा इन एफिशिएंसीज को बीच में से निकालेगा जो आपने पहले भी फरमाया कि आप आ जाएं, आप प्रेजेंट करें हमें ब्रीफ करें हम अप्रूव कर देंगे उस मंत्रा के तहत ये चल रहा है तो चीजें नहीं चलेंगी चीजें बिल्कुल नहीं चलेंगी लेकिन घूम घुमा के समझ आती है कि जो रियल रिस्पॉन्सिबिलिटी है इट लाइज विद रेगुलेटर इसके बाद गवर्नमेंट जो मर्जी करे इस वक्त तो पोजीशन ये है, है कि पैडेड अप ओवर इनवॉइस्ड कॉस्ट ऑफ सर्विस जो है वो इन्होंने अप्रूव कर दी है वो मिनिस्ट्री उस सिलसिले में कोई काम नहीं कर रही फाइनेंस कहती है कि सबसे ले लें मुल्क बंद होने को है और कोई चीज भी नहीं चल रही तो इसलिए पीपल विल हैव टू स्टार्ट वर्किंग अदरवाइज ये सेक्टर तो बंद हो गई लेकिन यह है कि मुल्क को नुकसान बहुत पहुंच सकता है शुक्रिया थैंक यू थैंक यू वेरी मच जी i think a very important and lightning discussion uh yes of course it went in every direction and as always discussions do and yes of course i think uh, we uh, tend to talk in such a way that there appears to be blame on on somebody or the other but our effort here is not to put any blame any on anybody we are really trying to learn and i think we need to do this much more uh pad is very happy we began the webinar series now lots of people are doing it i think quite frankly we need 100000 webinars a day because we really need to understand what's happening to our country unfortunately we blindly charge on making laws judges also blindly charge on giving decisions lawyers also blindly charge on to doing various things yet i stand by it rashid disagrees and i'm happy to disagree with him that there's unfortunately no research in this country no thinking we do things blindly we run after chasing after things blindly and that's why this mess this mess if i could help it i would set up a high powered committee um you know probably commission as was set up in the as is set up in many countries uh, you've heard of these committee commissions all over the world that should now investigate the power sector fully take at least a year or two with public hearing with open process and try and understand this system which is really really posing an an existential threat to the country as amina said it could implode other people have said it's driving the cost of business up other people are saying it's driving the cost of consumers up it's it's a mess in every which way you look at it circular debt is huge i don't know whether we'll ever think about it or not but i can only leave you on a hopeful note that some day we will thank you very much folks we shall inshallah take it up again I thank everybody I thank all my guests I thank all my panelists I thank everybody for bearing up with us one person that I need to ask again I Amina Malik Amina Malik would you say anything because I asked you if you could do a quick sum up is it possible for you to do that 
Is Amina Malik there? Gigi, I'm here. Gigi, uh, I mean, the, the uh, issues that the regulator is supposed to address are sort of getting conflated in the discussion around pricing. That was my takeaway from the conversation that was happening here. Uh, the regulator has a responsibility to maintain the quality uh, of supply and the safety of supply, and then also uh, keep the pricing or the tariff at a, at a level that's affordable for the average consumer. But there was almost no discussion about the quality of supply in Pakistan and the safety of supply, which are huge issues from a consumer's point of view. I mean, tariff is one issue, but the quality of supply in this country is so poor, regardless of what neighborhood you live in, uh, you will ex ex uh, experience substandard uh, delivery of electricity service. That's just a reality. And this is essentially the responsibility of the regulator. And these functions of quality and uh, safety feed into pricing. Uh, the, uh, the pr pricing is a function of uh, the sort of quality you maintain on the system and how safe it is. Because those, require capital those features require capital investment. Uh, but the bottom line is that NEPRA, as, a, as the regulator, the regulator has immense power. In the United States, there is two levels of regulation, at the federal level and at the provincial level. There are provincial regulators in every state, regardless of whether the state electricity market is regulated or deregulated. Now, we only have one regulator in this country of uh, uh, 200 million people. Uh, they're managing a huge electricity system, and they have immense power power or rather they should have immense power and if for some reason they're not being given uh, the power to exercise their role they need to push back. Uh, the regulator needs to be more aggressive, more proactive and take its, its role as the supreme entity in the power sector. I mean for me uh, and I'm sure for many other professionals, the regulator is much more important than the power division, or should be. But in Pakistan, you see the converse uh, when you assess their roles. I mean, NEPRA's profile as an entity is nowhere near the State Bank of Pakistan's. Although I would, I would contend that the role that NEPRA plays is much more important, if not as important, as the State Bank of Pakistan, because electricity is such an essential commodity both for our social lives as well as our economic lives. Um, and having said that, more power to NEPRA. Uh, you know, if NEPRA knows best what it needs to fulfill its obligations and its, its responsibilities, and I think they understand their obligations and their responsibilities, it's just a matter of asserting themselves as an institution. Okay. Thank you very much, Amina Bibi. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate what you've said. And uh, look, uh, NEPRA, as far as I can see, is the people's body. Regulation always has to be separate from the government. Regulation must be a people's body. It doesn't belong to the government. It doesn't belong to any ministry. Um, so it should be separate, just like policy. It's our policy. It should be separate. So with those words, thank you very much, folks. I won't say anything more. I think we've had a very good discussion. We'll return to the subject again at some point uh, soon. Uh, all the best. My thanks to all of you. Khuda Hafiz.